Previously on Gresh and Fourier. I eat the Pop Tart like I do like bread. I usually take the crust off. Do you the take Pop-Tart. it off and eventually eat it or take it off and leave it off? No, I usually just take it off and leave it oh, off. I don't like child. it. How many guys you ask your wife to cut the crusts for you too? No, no, I do <laughs> that by myself. How many times do you send it back to your wife? This is Gresh and Fourier. Probably two of the hardest games to play in the NBA is a back-to-back right before the All-Star break, you know, and I thought our guys handled both of those games really, really well, and I thought, uh, especially tonight, you, you couldn't tell the score of the game based on our effort. You got to appreciate the nights where you do your job and you do what you're supposed to do, and uh, we did that from start to finish, and it's because of the players. Andy Gresh. Are you actually disappointed that you don't have to go to Indy? Just being in the conversation, that was good enough for me. Um, I knew it was going to probably be a long shot. I'm going to enjoy this, this time off, uh, special time with my family, and I'm not too bummed out about it, but it was definitely cool uh, to hear. Christian Fourier. I think Elliot Wolf is going to be a breath of fresh air for Patriots fans because Belichick, for as great as he was, I think at some point he was just too... The circle was just too tight. Gresh and Fourier right now. The dude's a moron. I don't know how he's on the radio. He can't put a sentence together. On W-E-E-I. Well, well, well. Look in studio for those of you who are with us on Twitch or on YouTube where uh, you can uh, check in studio. Hop along, Cassidy is uh, here. What do you mean, hop along? Oh. Call me, you call me Big Roller. Oh, that's just true. call me Big Roller. It's weird looking at you from this it is Angle, weird. I'm not yeah. used to it. You know, I got to have to move seats so I can put my foot up, right? And I got my little scooter here. Got my all my stuff here. I'm in the Courtney chair. Uh, that's right. Fourier is uh, had to slide around in studio here so that uh, he could keep his leg elevated. Yes. After, per doctor's rules. Yes, after uh, making it in today, uh, I am a lucky MFR on the Twitch chat. Was the foot preceded by its stink? No, it was not. No, it was not. I don't. Uh, there is nothing that is uh, sniffably wafting from you. How's no, that? no, it, it's uh, no it's, odoriferous no. emanation. And I would like to announce to everybody that yes, I actually took a shower. I bathed yesterday. I cleaned myself oh, a little bit. That right. was an experience Get in itself. Applause, that was. Right. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to see how long I could go. Got to wash your I Thank did. you. I did. I did wash my ass. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Did my arms, did the whole thing, crawled into the showers on my uh, hands and knees until I got in there and just did the whole, like, sponge bath thing. Because apparently we have some sensitive noses around here, so we it don't do want to put, uh, we don't want to uh, make anybody offended or get anybody upset or anything like that, but uh, Foyer is in studio and... Uh, uh, the it was, uh, it was, a, it was an adventure. It was, well, I would like to. Did you um, go left foot? No, no, no. I, I would like to thank my beautiful wife, uh, Kim, for driving me today, oh. and uh, what an appreciative of her putting up with me. And also, the one positive is that now they all kind of get what the commute is like. Oh yeah, now they know. Yeah, you go. Good. She says you take this route every day. I was like, yep. She was borderline road rage. I'm what? surprised she didn't take a bunch of quarters and throw them at people as we went, once we hit like the Chestnut Hill area. I'm surprised she didn't do one of those things because it's, it's hectic. It's a nightmare. It's back and forth. It's stop. It's go. It's in and out. There's rotaries. There's this. There's buses. There's schools. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a horrible commute. People don't realize our grind. Oh, yeah. So they feel sorry for me. That's right. You're, you got a bum ankle. Yeah. Uh, you got a you got a bum ankle that you you got your little wheelie cart. Uh, so uh, yeah, I will is, say though it it is I I love like it's I hate working from home. Hate it. Like I only like doing it. Like obviously if we if you have to do, it's so much better 
you know, being in here with you. It's because you like to being, get out of your house. Being, being a part of your life and seeing <laughs> Billy and Nick and, you <laughs> know, it. commiserating with Coop and, you know, seeing Ken and, you know, interacting with Wiggy. Right, it's just those things I miss. Oh yeah, your uh, your uh, weekly Rocky discussion yeah. between we you had another and one. Billy and Wiggy. Yes, and Wiggy just Wiggy doesn't know how to take Billy because Billy has unprecedented and unchallenged Rocky knowledge. He does, and I would say I would challenge most anyone, but I would lose to him. I would lose. Oh, yeah. I would lose. I would lose in to, a heartbeat. Yeah, and I'm fine with it though because I respect his game. Well, uh, that's why we would be the best group at Weei and playing Family Feud because of any <laughs> of those Rocky or like yeah. Jeopardy. Because if there was that yeah. category, you could hear uh, whomever the host is. What's your name over there? Yeah, yeah I'll do Rocky for a thousand. <laughs> yeah, there you well, go. Sorry, so we only have one category for Rocky. <laughs> yeah. You can't pick him every single time. Uh, well, it's uh, good to have you in studio there, friend, and I'm glad there was a lesson learned as well. That's always good in the uh, in the marital back and forth mm-hmm. of knowing Christian sympathy struggle. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. A little sympathy now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, what was to be a joyous occasion yesterday uh, has now turned into a situation where the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, and really just if you're a human being, uh, your hearts go out to the just uh, needless shooting that went down at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Uh, the very latest is one person is dead. 21 others were wounded by gunfire. I think 11 of uh, the people that were wounded were of the ages of 6 to 15 years old. There was a, a whole group of people from that incident who went to Children's Hospital. And then there were some people in uh, pretty grave situations whenever uh, they were taken to the hospital. And uh, it, it, it marred what was supposed to be a good celebration. I know the one thing I did see was that uh, the assembled uh, media, when the when the police gave a briefing, the one thing they did say was, like, this does not appear to be terror-related. I think they've kind of confirmed that. Uh, there are different reports out there. I know one is that might have been two groups of people that were beefing, and then the guns came out. But the bottom line is... Um, it's 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 a sad way to kind of end the NFL season because there is something to the parade that really sort of puts the flag in the ground as in we're turning the page. And I will say is as I was watching the parade, you know, some of my comments and thoughts, you know, preparing for today was just how this may that that may have been the drunkest I've seen a team ever. Like Travis Kelsey's wannabe try to sing like his girlfriend was horrendous. He literally was falling over. Slurring more than I'd ever heard anybody slur in my life. Like when it comes to, listen, I know a lot about the whole like, you know, Super Bowl speech thing because mine was horrible. But he was so hammered. They had a baby goat out on the parade route. Unbelievable. I mean, like they were just openly drinking. Uh, uh, you know, Brittany Mahomes was all over the place hugging everybody that she could find. Players and fans alike. It was a, it was becoming like a real odd situation. And that's what we were all preparing for. And I hope, I hope that it isn't one of these terrorist acts like you had mentioned. It I don't think seem it is. Like, it. like it just a couple gangs, maybe feels beefing. Like more beefing uh, or something. I hope yeah. that's it because you think about the draft coming up. You think about you know the combine. You think about just you know you know events in general involving the NFL and like nobody wants to sit there looking over their shoulder. So 
Hopefully, you know, this is the this will be the end of it. Yeah, and the NFL uh issued their statement obviously in the city of Kansas City uh you know, were were on it right away. They talked about how many police officers they had to be there and I don't want to bog down or get into the political end of it or anything like that. It's just a it's a sad situation and a a sad way to uh, end things. We're clearly going to have to adjust the camera a little bit because <laughs> I keep moving. No, because I was going to say to you is if you could slide to the left for the people on Twitch, you'd be good. But you have to keep your leg up. Yeah, so Coop is going to no, have Coop's to make move the, the camera. Here yeah, it goes. There he goes. He just he did got it. it. There Look you go. at him. Hi, no, everybody. Coopage is on it. You can watch us do this show. Twitch TV slash Boston Weei. Make sure you follow Weei on Twitch. You can also get us on youtube just type in weei the live stream will pop up you can also watch us right there and uh boy howdy the celtics last night uh 136 86 the uh the high-end players the starters didn't even sniff the second half and uh, if you had the Nets plus 13 and a half, <laughs> you still got pumped. <laughs> I had this so wrong. The, the, the Nets basically had their best game, like their try-hard game in Brooklyn the night before when they only lost by eight, and they just they stayed in the game. This game, they just said, listen, we want to go on vacation. It was like one, two, three, Cancun. Those guys, I was going to say, it's Cancun or Bermuda yep. or yep. something. Hey, where are we going out of Boston? There's lots of places we can go. I got a I, week. Where are we heading? I I'm thought that you. they would at least put up a fight. I thought the Celtics. Nope. The, the, here's the thing about the Celtics. I, again, another sign, because I would say they had every reason to just to kind of you know, lay one out there, roll the ball out there, and just go through the motions. But they took care of business. And that's what great teams do. Even when it's easy for them to kind of be lazy, be a little reckless, they handled their business, and then the stars were out of the game, and they were just all chilling and enjoying the night. So that's, again, just just gathering more like little accolades, uh, even though you don't get a trophy with this, but they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, they did, and uh, they end the first half now with a 43-12 and record. Uh, and Joe Mazzulla got his 100th win last night as head coach. I want to say it's a big deal. But, eh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course you got to 100 wins in two years. You're coaching the best team in basketball. Like, I don't want to say the Missoula isn't a part of it, and it's noteworthy, and it is something that, you know, we should, hey, good job, Joe. He's getting better, all that kind of stuff. But, um, even Missoula was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm a product of the people around me, which I think is a nice way of saying, yeah, I didn't have to go to Houston or Orlando to get my first job. I was lucky enough to land here, and he's grown into his role. No complaints about Missoula. Zero complaints. Not only has he grown into his role, I think is he has added to the temperament of this team, the philosophy of this team, and I think the team, surprisingly, has kind of bought into it because they have no reason to. Mm-hmm. He has no track record. Why am I listening to you? Like you have no I have no reason to listen to you other than the fact that I'm an adult and I'm going to trust you, right? All the things that he does, the things that he says, how he handles post-game press conference, how he I told you a story last year how he had the little the little like little mini uh like sandbox where uh where he was building sandcastles and how he created this whole philosophy of just like a sandcastle, you build it one day, 
you tear it down, you got to build it again. The whole like one, like on to the next day. Like that was his whole message to them, visual message to the team in their locker room. He had the sand thing in their locker room. Oh yeah, where they where they where they actually got dressed, and he would make that message every single day. It's like it was like Jack Del Rio's uh, axe with the wood chopping wood. Yeah, that was I've never I never heard of the whole sandcastle thing though. Someone actually brought he actually brought sand in, and like the little things that the kids use, and would make a sandcastle, and was trying to create the message like, listen, every day you build a sandcastle, you tear it down, you start over again. That's how we need to look at the season. I thought that was like for a young coach who literally fell into the job. Pretty good metaphor. It was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I was like, geez, I actually get that. I wonder if he learned that one from uh, playing for Hug down at WVU. Maybe. Maybe he stole it. That might have been Fairmont State. It might have been one of Huggy's assistants because I don't know if that guy is uh, playing in the sand or whatnot. So the Celtics end the first half riding high as expected. Bruins are going to take on the uh, Kraken tonight. We hear from Alex Van Pelt for the first time, and oh, <laughs> did it move? I can't. I I can't wait to go through this. I really can't. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. I want to hear the reaction to Alex Run Pelt. Oh, baby, it's not modern, but it's not going to be modern. You don't run in the modern game. Oh, God. Can't wait to get into all of that. Uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, and then at 11 o'clock, the director of the dynasty, Matthew Hamachek, will be with us. He will be with us on Twitch. You will be able to uh, see his uh, handsome face and just how uncomfortable some things got for Matthew Hamachek in putting together this documentary. And uh, we'll shed some light on that as well. Now, more Crash and on WEEI. Come on, you know you want to go run in the snow after hearing this. I want to drag a sled. I want to, like, do some, like, you know, some sit-ups, you know, hanging off a beam over in some random barn. Well, that's all you can do right now. I can't even do that. You're not going to be able to run. Nope. You can do pull-ups if you wanted to. Uh, I, can, I can do, I can hang. I can't physically do a pull-up, by the way. It's very hard to do a pull-up. It's hard. I like, can't I do remember them. in 12th grade, they're like, yeah, uh, you're a six foot four and a half and 285 yeah. pounds, uh, but given that you're 16 years old, you should be able to do X amount of pull-ups. And I'm like, I can push things. I remember the whole thing. Yeah, the same thing. I'm like, wait a second. There, there's certain body types that are better at pull-ups than mm-hmm. others, and it's usually the shorter, lighter guys that just have, you know, they can't bench press a lot, but they have, like, you know, general strength. And they can pull up 110 pounds. How many could Coop do? Ooh, I'm gonna he, go he with get, six. Yeah, I was gonna say he get to five. I'm gonna yeah, say he can't it, do yeah. like the what the like the the CrossFit guys do, which would be called a kip, where they literally swing their. It's like a cheating pull up. He has to keep his body straight, pull himself up. We actually had this conversation the other day because I don't know how it came up, but the Marine recruiters when they go to like your high school, or yeah, yeah. to do the pull ups. He said he was going all day. Like you're a marine recruiter's dream, then. Yeah, that's uh, there. Really? Uh, there was something to the whole like pull up and overall strength. And no, for us in football, it was the power clean. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, I can do that all day long. Well, the the power clean is the best represented, uh, uh, the best representative <laughs> of a movement that would be made that is like football and shows your overall strength. Yeah, like, I can pull and I can push. 
that that was me. Like my old I man, I can't raise. Like, that would be raising myself. My old man never busted my balls for not doing pull ups. He praised me the day he had to sign my scholarship and was like, <laughs> "Thank you." So, yeah. you know, the, at the end of the day, that's really what mattered. But uh, oh, baby, oh, it's doctor. a good day for you. I love what we're about to hear from Alex Van Pelt because you know, Christian, there's been so much on on modern offense and you know how many people will call. Hey, you guys, your modern offense begins with the wide receiver and then the quarterback. And if you don't have those two, you can't do nothing. No, no. It's lots of motions and shifts and, uh, you know, lots of crazy formations no, and lots it, of eye candy. You throw it 80 times a game. Yeah. A quarterback that, that can run. No, RPOs. So RPOs. All, so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> here comes Alex Van Pelt. Right, and this audio that that the Patriots posted yesterday, nobody knew it was going to be this guy sitting down. Uh, I do like the yinzer in him. I can tell you that he has had a chip chop ham sandwich at Isley's in Pittsburgh. I will bet you hmm. money on that. When we talk to that guy, I'm going to ask him that question. Or he's had some Primanti brothers or whatever. Alex Van Pelt, my kind of round type guy. Okay. However, he also talks about what do you got to do. To be successful in the NFL, the quarterback, all that stuff, we might be starting and stopping some of this from, okay. from AVP. You know, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships. We don't Whoa, have to do let's that stop right That's there. it. Running the football wins. I didn't hear this. Oh, my. What? I missed it. How in the. Hey, Fourier, <laughs> how in the world can Mayo, with the new age way of doing things, hire a guy where the first thing he says is running the ball? <laughs> I mean, like uh, again, I that that's I even put in the Twitch chat. I cannot wait to see how the Twitchers fall all over themselves because that's a group that definitely screams quarterback, wide receiver, da da da. Okay, we're all right, here's a, here's more of Van Pelt. Yeah, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships. You don't have to do that late into the season. Quarterback play is a big part of what I believe in. Putting him in a, a position to be successful, and you know, if you can make that guy be successful, oftentimes your offense is successful. Teams that that are close and that that are connected. Connected is a big word that I'll use. The connectivity. Uh-oh. Those teams always play better. Getting to know these guys, getting to love these guys as, as players and people, I think will all make us better in the long run. Wow, I love how they used the music. Yeah, literally. they used ah. the music there. All right, yeah. so the, obviously the buzzword, the year, the word of the year for the Patriots, connectivity. Right? Oh, yeah, that's that, it. So he made sure he threw that in there. Collaboration and connectivity. Yeah, the yep. two C's, right? Collaboration they're, and the connectivity. They're the C&C football yeah, ex- factory. Exactly, that yeah. is who they are, they, which is funny because I've never been, I've never, I can't, Maybe you can. Can you name a championship team in any sport where the players hated each other? Is there a team that you can think of, a, a, a sport, a basketball, football, baseball, where they won a Super Bowl, a World Series, an NBA championship, a Stanley Cup, where the players did not like each other? Yeah, I don't think across the board you would find that. I think there are definitely feuds on championship teams or that uncomfortableness. And one of the ones that I thought of right away was Montana and and uh, and Steve Young and how weird that was. I don't know if those guys have sort of settled it since, but I thought there was some real animosity there at one point. Like yeah, I but maybe those remember, two guys, but gen- the general no, overall. Across the board as a team, no. no the, they, none of I that. can't remember a team. 
I've never been on a good team where players did not like each other, whether we're rallying because we just like having a good time or we're rallying against the coach, which we'll hear about at 11 o'clock, why some of the Patriots teams, they were forced to rally, you know, commiserate with themselves. Bill was was, the bad guy. Bill was the bad guy. But it galvanized But yeah, so they rallied around that. This this is a different way of galvanizing. And look, we had some fun, and I really wanted to poke at the the whole wide receiver crew. Well, I want to get back to that. Well, because uh, to hear Alex Van Pelt talk about Hey, you got to be able to run the ball. And that's the mentality. If there is going to be a young quarterback here, which again is a part of our forever discussion until the draft, if there is going to be a young quarterback here, then absolutely it doesn't, it needs to happen with a young quarterback where you have the ability to be able to turn around, line up, and knock people off the ball and run it. Or else you're just saying to this kid, hey, 40 times a game, we're going to have you chuck it up and don't turn it over, by the way, because then that means, you know what I mean? Like, you got to ease into it a little bit of what Josh McDaniels did with Mac Jones in 2021 in terms of that philosophy. There was a lot of leaning on other people versus leaning on Mac that year. I I feel like that is... I don't care how modern or how the – I don't care what college provides the pros. When I mean that, like what type of quarterback is being developed in the high school level that is being uh, signing at a college, that's – the NFL will be determined by what college provides, Mm -hmm. the type of athlete. Right, the running quarterback, it's your the RPO system, yeah. Okay, the, the you know the, the the pistol instead of the shotgun. Okay, all these new revolutionary, supposedly re- revolutionary um, systems. The thing that will not change is what and it, what every single coach resorts to when nothing works. We're going to go back to our bread and butter, with this, which is usually a running play. Yeah, we got. Hey, our offensive line, they're sick of retreating. Like they're getting beat. They, they 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 need. We need to flip the script. Like we need to go after the defensive ends that are having their way with us. So you know what? Let's fight them. Let's like that's basically what it is. It's a fight. Let's go fight them. Us against them, and we'll just keep doing it until one of us gives up. Well, I also think the way the league has changed, and this is this is where I quibble with a lot of the the modern offense. There's only one way to do it: quarterback, wide receiver, da da da. Christian, aren't defenses now more than ever begging you to run the ball with the way that they are constructed? There are no more. When I think of the defenses that you played with in New England, right? And you eventually looked at it. It turned into Seymour, Ty Warren, Vince Wilfork. Those guys were three down linemen. that were plenty good enough to be able to help the run, or help keep the, the linebackers free so those guys can make plays. But if you think about it now, hell, teams and defenses are playing with two interior defensive linemen, hybrids on the outside, a safety that might be a linebacker, and a middle linebacker that if, you know, there are very few of the Patrick Queens like that where those guys would have translated. They they could have played in a 3-4 defense 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, 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 I like what you're getting at because – Today's modern Mike linebacker, there the you guy go. in the middle, would be the old, the late nineties, early two thousands. What we would call a will linebacker. It would have been the guy covering you. Yeah, mm-hmm. backside guy. I'm not worried about it. He's too little. This is why it's always funny because so the league has changed into uh, the defense becoming more fluid, lighter, 
um, hybrid instead of a hybrid linebacker, you have a hybrid strong safety mm-hmm. linebacker guy, right? Uh, you know, you know the, the 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 body type where they can chase linebackers. I mean, so where they can chase backs, they can cover, they can run sideline to sideline because they're putting all these these speedy guys and it's five wide, but they still need to be able to stop the run in case they're the only ones left. That is and so. So then teams draft for that need. Hey, we got to stop these offenses. Um, so we need faster guys. We need hybrids. So that's what the defenses look like. The smart thing to do would be a team to say, you know what? Look at all these light boxes. Look at all these like these guys have no thump to them. They're all small. Sure, they can run, but they can't hold up against anybody. Well, let's run it. So what teams are doing is what they always do. They just counter what the trend is. Mm-hmm. The trend is lighter, faster, spread them out. So a team says, well, why don't we run? Why don't we pack them in and fight them in a phone book? Dallas, uh, um, Tennessee, and other teams. And if we have the ability to flex them out, we'll do that too. But let's force them to stop us. I love what That's you're saying. That's coming. That is exactly That's, what always happens. But it's but it's now been conflated to big wide receiver. That's what you got to have. Or else that way is not going to work. It's it, it it's become. You're right. It's always been a chess match. One of the things that I always appreciated about the early run of Belichick was the way he used the tight end. And really, when you think about it, it was Denver and Baltimore late '90s, and then that early 2000 group. Remember, Baltimore had what was left of Shannon Sharp and Ben Coates on that team. Why did Bill go out and sign you? Because it was depth at tight end. Because at the time, you could balance off formations that way. If you were going against a 4-3 defense, put two tight ends on the field. Balances it out. Makes it easier for the quarterback to read. All that kind of stuff. Now we've sort of morphed through 20 years where, to me, it's where the blocking tight end. Like That's why you want a blocking tight end on your roster. Because you want that extra guy. Because teams have now resorted to, let me just throw my extra tackle in there. I'm going to tell everybody we're running. But we got a 240-pound back, so we'll be okay. So, And this is, I love it. I love when the calls come in because everybody's a scout. But real quickly, this is how the NFL kind of works. Um, there are certain teams. Let's just, let's just use tight end yeah. as an example. right? There are certain teams. When they are scouting, they will not scout a tight end if he is considered a flex, which would be, you know, like a slot, a big Richard, slot. A Mike Gusecki. Bingo. There you go. Okay. They would not even, a guy that never has his hand on the ground, that does, they won't even scout him. Their guys need to be able to do both. And then there's some, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They want this guy because, eh, blocking, big deal, you know, just get in the way until it matters. So... And and I think the the more guys that you can have that can just that are just willing to put their hands in the ground and kind of you know muck it up a little bit are the ones that are the most successful. Look at all the great tight ends right now, other than Travis Kelsey. Right, he's the only guy. And and I was watching him in the Super Bowl. The dude literally doesn't even try to get in the way. He doesn't even try. He just knows it doesn't matter. And he's the exception to the rule. Here's the other thing real quick on Van Pelt, too. Uh, If your offensive coordinator doesn't have the mindset of running it, you'll never be good at running the ball. Because then the OC will just be like, all right, hell with it, we can't run it, let's just throw it 50 times, and you bail on on that part of the game. I think you've got to be committed to it sometimes to a fault. And I always point to... 
Remember, uh, what was it? Gruden in Tampa the year they won the Super Bowl. They went to Philly, beat Philly, I do believe, and ran it, I want to say, Christian, like 30 times for like 40 yards. They were getting nothing out of it, but Gruden, the play caller, was like, yeah, I had to keep pounding it because it set up everything else. But he also went in, committed to it. Now they end up winning that game and all that stuff, but... I think if you have an offensive coordinator where at the first sign of trouble in the run game, instead of trying to fix it, you abandon it, that's what you can't have. And that's on the patience meter of Alex Van Pelt. Let's get to these phones. Uh, Cotto in Lemonster with Gresham Fourier. Hello, Cotto. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? I just... uh... So I just wanted to call in because I've been seeing a lot of stuff online about uh, about potentially getting Justin Fields, and uh, I'm not sure how you guys feel about him, but um, what what's being rumored is the 34th pick that we have for him, and uh, and if say hypothetically we do get him, does that leave us at the third picking up Marvin Harrison Jr. And if we do pick him up, where does that leave us with picking up a receiver like T Higgins or uh, a good tight end, maybe re-signing Henry. Where where does that kind of put us, in your opinion? Well, I, I am on the uh, I'm on the Justin Fields ain't happening. No way, no how. And I'll tell you this: I'm not giving up a second round pick for the guy. How about this? There are two quarterbacks in that draft class who made the playoffs. One of them plays here, and we say we for can't now. give. And we say we can't give that guy away. Let somebody else go make the mistake on Justin Fields. See, but the thing with Justin Fields, which is a trap, is the modern-day quarterback tag that exists with him. He gets you out of trouble. And, he, and when you see he his throws highlight you into film, trouble too. Yeah, when you see his highlight film, you're like, holy crap, he ran 60 yards, you know, avoided five tackles, ran over a strong safety. Wow, here's that's the only play he made. That's the only points they got. Other than that, stuck in the mud, can't convert a third down, can't hit a wide receiver running on the sideline, won't throw into coverage, won't even won't even risk it because he no, or, or he does he will. because he's too or he throws on the run. Now he's not Zach Wilson to me because he's obviously much more athletic and gifted than Zach Wilson, but the end result ends up being the same. He, uh, looks, he just looks better in his pads. Yeah, I, I think if the Patriots give up a two. Given this draft and their needs for fields, that's fireable. In my, I mean, you're not giving up a high second round pick for what is essentially someone else's trash. Folks, let's remember, they have the number one pick and the number nine pick in Chicago, and they're still going to draft somebody else. What does that tell you about fields? Let's go to a coach in New Hampshire with Gresham Fourier. Coach, what's up? Hey guys, great show. Two points I want to make. One, one is if everything goes true to form and Chicago takes a quarterback and Washington takes a quarterback and the Patriots at three really know they want to take a quarterback, but what if they made a phone call to Arizona and said, we think we're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a stud and we know you covered him. Let's switch spots and maybe you steal like a third or a fourth round pick um, from Arizona, just being coy like that. That's my first point. Uh, My second point is this. Gresh, back at URI, I don't know if you were an interior O-lineman or a tackle, but 
I don't know how you did one-on-one trying to block the likes of, and I'm not saying Vaughn Miller, Matthew Judon, et cetera, or Nick Boza, but I really think, and I always hammer this point home, I really think when you guys talk offense and run game, pass game, again, I don't think today's offensive tackles in the NFL can block these Maseratis. And I think that that body type has to be looked at so differently. Just your thoughts on both of my notions. Thank you, guys. Uh, in terms of the tackles, I think when you got a good one, they can block them all. And if you got a guy who's going to be a dog chasing cars, push him up field and run underneath him. You know, you know who did that the very first time that I remember? Bill Cower with Barry Foster when they were trying to deal with the Bills and Bruce Smith screaming up the field. They told the tackle, fine, turn him loose. We'll run up underneath of him. And Bruce Smith overran what turned into a touchdown, you know? So there are ways to be able to handle it. What do you make of the whole slide down a spot, try to for get what? a pick for <coughs> – try to get Arizona to uh, give you a pick for uh, to slide down one spot so they can take Marvin Harrison. So they can get Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Right, so let them get the guy that everybody wants, right, so they can pair him with Kyler Murray. I don't know if uh, the only way you are moving out of that spot is if you're out on quarterback. Yeah, if you're out on quarterbacks, you you had signed a big-time free agent wide receiver with multiple years left, and you have a different quarterback that, you've, that you're committed to. Like, and then you want to build as much. Because I would think there's got to be something to building draft capital. Well, I, I, I say this. We say, oh, they'd get out of three if they're out on quarterback. However, they might go about that position a little differently to where they could trade down and maybe get a first next year and then move around the board and all that kind of stuff. Or at what point do you just look at it and say, this guy is ready now, well, what better value am I going to have than getting Marvin Harrison myself unless it is the QB? A lot to get to and a lot to talk about over the next really couple of months about this NFL draft. Don't forget you can subscribe uh, to the Gresh and Fourier podcast. However you get your podcast, just type in Gresh Fourier. It'll pop right up. You can subscribe, download the podcast to the device of your choice, and you can listen to us wherever you go. We're going to keep going because we got the folks on the phones here talking about Alex Van Pelt and the offensive philosophy, and the first thing he mentions is running the ball. So how many of you are upset? We'll do it next. Remember, you can listen to WEEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Director of the Dynasty, Matthew Hamachek, is going to join us at the top of the hour. He will be on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI, or just go to YouTube, type in WEEI, boom, you can click on the live stream right there. Uh, Matthew Hamachek will uh, answer all the questions about the upcoming Patriots documentary on Apple Plus. 617-779-7937. Jim in New Hampshire wants to actually talk about running backs. This is interesting. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, the league still needs running backs. And I I love your conversation about how the league has been going pass-centric, but that's going to peak. And uh, I think you got to have a good running back. And I have an idea. I'm really high on Estime out of Notre Dame. 
The guy reminds me of Jerome Bettis. He doesn't run left to right. Well, it doesn't matter because he's like a bowling ball. And he can catch. And he can block. And that's a, you need a good running back and a strong, at least one strong offensive tackle, I think. And then, also, I love Mayo's idea about a healthier quarterback culture. That's, I, I really like that idea a lot, so i got to give him kudos for that. So, Jim, what do you guys think? Yeah, Jim, I, I, I don't know so much on the Notre Dame kid, but I will say this, Fourier, is that I do think some of the more versatile running backs, a la Bijan Robinson, who I was very high on last year, I think those guys are the ones that are going to go high because you can flex them out, you can do a little more with them or whatever. Where you're really going to find the value are like the Ramondre Stevensons, where, oh, he can catch it. They didn't feature him catching it. We know he can run at an NFL level. Let's teach him ball security, and then we'll work him into the passing game slowly, and hopefully we have something. So I think if you're just a running back, you might, unless you're really special, you might be a middle-round pick. But if you're a, a good enough back that can run tough but also catch it, those are the ones that are going to go high. Yeah, no, I would think that uh, obviously, unless you're just a you know a one of one like a Derrick Henry, you're just a big bruiser, Saquon. Yeah, we know, like we don't care. We know you're a running back, right? Yeah, the Bijan Robinson seems to. I would throw the Bijan Robinson type into the same uh, perceived modern quarterback bucket. Hey, the modern NFL needs this type of back. Mm-hmm. The modern NFL. Needs a a Marshall Falk. That's uh, he's basically he was way above, ahead of his time. A Kevin Falk. But Kevin could do everything. Quite frankly, Shane Vereen could do it. James White could run inside and outside. All these Ezekiel Elliott. I mean that guy. I mean, there's a guy that should be on their I, list right now. I want now. him back. I mean, it was only one year, three million, and however Belichick talked him into the building or whatever. Uh, hopefully Mayo can find a way to do the same because I think what you want is you can either have the real different style backs or you want guys that are kind of similar. You know, Zeke runs hard. He can run between the tackles. He can catch it. Ramondre is now morphed into that guy as well. Can Alex Van Pelt kind of take advantage of that? Because there were times where backs were open and Mac was missing them. That was the very famous Bill O'Brien slamming his finger down and yelling at Mac because he missed the running back in the flat. Uh, where do you want to go? One or four? You pick one or four. What do you got? I mean, let's go with uh, let's go to your home state of uh, Rhode Island. Oh, sure, John in Rhode <laughs> Island on the run game in the NFL. I know where this is going. Go ahead, John. Hey guys, uh, the last four Super Bowl leading rushers: Fournette, eighty-nine yards; Joe Mixon at seventy-two yards; Pacheco at seventy-six yards; C-Mac at eighty yards. Uh, I think Alex Van Pelt has coached uh, Nick Chubb. What? How many championships has he won? Derrick Henry hasn't seen the Super Bowl at all. Here's I your here's your modern disagree. honk. I completely yeah, disagree. Yeah, yeah, I completely disagree that running yeah, yeah. championships. When's the last time a hundred yard rusher ran in the Super Bowl? When's... Six years ago, Gresh. Get with the times, buddy. Sure, sure. Hey, uh, how's <laughs> how many playoff wins does Tyreek uh-huh. Hill have outside of Kansas City, John? How much? How big a difference? How, there you go. That's right. So there you go. Zero. You spend your thirty million on wide receivers. I'll build a football team. There's you go. 
Need it my works wide both. Here's, the thing is that it works both ways, though. I mean, you can it, it, anytime someone throws out a bunch of stats on a running back, I, you can easily throw out a stat. Justin Jefferson, what does he won? Well, what is what does he won? Well, I, I think here's the thing for John. John loves his little wide receivers. Well, they, and they and, have a and and the fastest guy in the NFL was let go by a team who's now gone back to back winning a Super Bowl. So Len Fournette, that Johnny. He knows I love him. No, I give him hell. He listen. But, he had his numbers down. Oh yeah, he had all the numbers specific to the Super Bowl. You know, if you'd like to talk about what some of those guys did to help those teams get to the Super Bowl, there might be a deeper discussion. But again, for for here's here's John's John and Rhode Island's favorite team would be uh, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Josh Allen, and nobody else. They'll go win. That's it. There you go. That's what some think the NFL is. The director of the dynasty. God, do we have questions for this guy. Matthew Hamachek is going to join us next. And you can watch him join us on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEI or go to YouTube, type in WEI, click on the live stream. Gresh and Fourier on WEI. All right, so this is a virgin excursion for us here on Gresham Fourier because we have never been joined (laughs) by someone not only on the air with us, but who is with us on Zoom, on Twitch. So a very first for us, twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. For the director of the dynasty, this guy has been the busiest man oh. in media <laughs> the last 24 hours. Matthew Hamachek is uh, kind enough to give us some time today here on Gresham Fourier. And oh my God, Matthew, I look, you knew you were putting together something special. But now that you have talked to people like us and others, are you realizing, oh my, this is everything I thought it would be and more? Oh, audio. Are we on a delay? Uh, no, we're, uh, well, well, we cannot hear Matthew, unfortunately. So, Matthew, hang tight, friend, because uh, we will get that up and going. I don't think that's from a coop end. I, I think it's from an R end on the board as well in terms of uh, trying to get this set up. Matthew, we apologize. Hang tight there. Uh, hang tight there, friend, because we... Uh, because we do have so much to get into. I heard yep. the Ernie Adams stuff and things like Ernie that. Ernie was a big, I watched a big, I, I basically watched every single one of these last night and this morning, and Ernie Adams was a big part of this. Would you have ever have thought, the guy that lived in the basement for 20 years, who when that people, never said anything, who when people finally hear him speak, you're like, wait a minute, what, that's what Ernie sounds he, like? He, it's How amazing. I, never, I was with that team for four years. I didn't, I think I may have talked to him once. I'm not even exaggerating. Once. And he is a little chatterbox. I'm like, he just can't stop talking. Well, because nobody asked him. <laughs> that's Matthew's, I know Matthew's laughing. He can hear us, but we can't hear him. But uh, Matthew is the only guy that is laughing for, I mean, like, seriously, like, how many people... Really, like, even all the Super Bowls I covered, you played on those teams, right? How many people pulled Big Earn aside? Here we go. We might have Matthew up again. Uh, Matthew, let's, uh, can we, you can hear us, Matthew. Can we hear you? Uh, oh. Give us again one more time. You know what? I, more, how about, can you guys There we go. go. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a slight delay. It is a slight delay. So thank you, friend. I know you heard us talking about Ernie Adams. And uh, Ah, now that this piece is done and you're hearing how people are reacting to it, how good does it make you feel? Like, did you did you nail the bullseye? Well, I think the thing that matters to me most is that you know, people feel like we got the story right. And what I mean by that is not necessarily the fan base, though I'm very interested in that, but it's the people who are in the room. And that's the thing that I'm most interested to hear as this thing starts to come out is, you know, I wasn't a Patriots fan growing up, so I didn't really know anything about this team when I started this. But that was, in a way, very, very helpful because it allowed me to sit back and listen and to, to what the people who were in the room, you know, you guys are talking about Ernie Adams, for example, uh, that were there in the rooms when they were making the decisions that led to the great successes, but also the people that were there in the rooms when this thing started to fall apart towards the end. So how did this even come about? Like, what talk, talk about yeah. how tough it was to, of course, pitch this idea, how the whole thing came about, and uh, how long it took you to actually start from start to finish. Yeah. So, I mean, the way it started was very simple. Um, Jeff Benedict had written uh, a book called Tiger that I was directing at, you know, back in 2021, it had just come out on HBO. And right around that time, Jeff would always be, I would always be talking to him when he was in the car. And I would, you know, eventually after a while, I just said, by the way, why are you always in the car when we're, when, whenever I'm giving you updates about Tiger and how we're putting the thing together and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you know, I'm going to Foxborough a lot. And I just thought, well, I mean, he maybe he's a Patriots fan, but I mean, this is, this is a lot of trips to Foxborough. And finally, he confessed to me that he uh, was going up there writing a book about the New England Patriots. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, he said, by the way, when this thing comes out, do you want to come on and uh, make the doc series version of this? And I said, you know, I didn't know much, but I said, of course. And then the answer is, you know, two and a half plus almost three years later, here we are uh, talking about this thing. And I think Jeff and I at the very early stages, you know, we talked we talked about the things that we hoped we would get. Uh, and what I mean by that is just people being honest on camera and really talking about the things that uh, the way that they really went down. And I think that one of the things I'm most proud of is I feel like we accomplished that in a lot of ways. Uh, when you went in with the storyboard, I'm just curious how you kind of laid it out. Like there was the, boy, if we can get some quotes on this, it'd be great. And then it's almost like your A list, your B list, your C list, trying to prioritize and get intel from people who notoriously for two decades have been really good at not saying nothing. You know, it's sort of the way that you do every project. There's this there's a great quote by a documentary filmmaker, which is that if you end up with the story that you started with, it means you weren't listening along the way. And so what you do is you sit and you listen and then you get one interview and that informs the way you ask questions in the next one. And then the things that you get from there give you tidbits that lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so by the time, you know, a year and a half in, I finally get to talk to Rob Gronkowski, for example. I have all this information that I've collected from listening to all these people, and I can ask him things and say, you know, such someone's, you know, not, not really telling him who said it, but saying, let's say, a captain on the team mentioned that this was how he felt in this situation. How did you feel? Things like that. And so I think that, you know, part of what you're talking about here is that this team was always at arm's length. It was, it, you know, it was tough to 
really know much of what was going on because the thing that you saw the most of was Bill Belichick up at the lectern basically saying things like we're on to Cincinnati and you know things of that nature. And part of me wonders if one of the reasons we succeeded here is that these guys never were able to get a lot of this stuff off their chest, and here was an opportunity to finally do so. So we're talking to Matthew Hamachek, the director of the Apple TV Plus docuseries, uh, The Dynasty on the Patriots, which, again, I, I think you heard that I watched a big portion of this, and, um, man, there's so much to this. I, I, the, some of the footage that you found, so he has some the old footage of uh, Brady living in uh, – was it uh, Lawyer Malloy's, or was it Ty Law's house, uh, his old Ty condo? Law, yeah. But I think the things, like the big ticket items for me, the number one thing, it was like the grassy knoll. It's the Malcolm Butler situation. Mm. And I'm amazed, and I don't want to give much. We've had Malcolm Butler on the show before. We've talked to other people. <laughs> we involved, asked him. And we flat out asked him. And even the docuseries, he says he still doesn't know. You ask Bill. And the one portion of, portion of this is is what I feel like, Bill kind of gives you a little attitude, and maybe he did a little bit more, okay, Uh, because he said, you know what, it's almost like he was your dad. Like, we talked about that, Matthew. It's like he didn't (laughs) want to address it, okay? And so do you think that 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 question was answered in this docuseries? I don't know. I I mean, the answer is that there is no definitive answer because there's only two people that know it, and it's Bill Belichick and Malcolm Butler, right? And both of them seem to, at least least Malcolm says he doesn't know, and as you said, Bill gives me that answer. I think we're not going to give away what was said in the moment, but I think that Robert Kraft is probably the person who is the most uh, forthright about what he heard the situation is, and I think the folks that are listening right now have to wait until, um, you know, episode nine comes out, uh, you know, I think around March 15th to sort of figure out what that is. But I think that comment that Robert makes right after uh, Bill uh, responds is probably the biggest revelation as far as the Malcolm Butler situation goes. Okay, so I'm glad I wasn't going to say that part because I didn't want to give that away because I agree yeah. with you. I feel like I feel like because my the answer to my own question was yes you do find out why he didn't play. And then yeah. the rest is up to your own imagination. But I feel exactly. like that, that, was, that was... Who was the toughest guy that you had to... Other than Bill, who was, who was the, I guess, the toughest to interview? Toughest to interview is a hard question. I'll tell you one of the people that was the hardest to get to interview was Adam Vinatieri. And, you know, I, I want to bring this up because um, one of his better episodes, episode two, which, which for all the Patriot fans out there covers um, the snow game. And in, in my mind, arguably one of the greatest kicks in NFL his- history, if not the greatest kick in NFL history to tie the game and take it into overtime. Um, and it's not that Adam didn't want to go on. It was just, I think he wanted to make sure that this was finally going to be the real deal. And that's what he kept saying to me over and over again. He said, look, you know, I get these requests all the time. NFL Films always asks him to do stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, everybody's always reaching out and he's sort of always turning things down. And I think what he wanted to make sure of was this was going to be as close to the definitive story of the New England Patriots as possible. And I think for him, the other part was, let's not forget, you know, Adam went and was with the Colts for a very long time. And in episode seven, when we get to the Flategate, he sort of gives his perspective as a as the kicker of the Colts, not the New England Patriots, former kicker, and talks about how people on that team felt. And I think Adam wanted to make sure that people like 
Tom and Bill and Robert were going to participate, but also that we were actually going to do this in an unvarnished way. So it took me, gosh, like, you know, a year and a half, almost two years to finally get him to agree to go on. And then I had to go out to Indiana, uh, to Indianapolis and, and go to his house. And, um, and, and that's where we finally did his interview. And I think it's one of the better ones in the series because he talks, yes, of course, about the kick and that's an incredible moment, but he gives the soundbite to me that sums up sort of the beginning of this story, which is that one of the things that happened when Drew Bledsoe went out and Tom Brady came in, Tom Brady was, as everybody is listening to the show right now knows, the 199th pick. He wasn't Mr. Irrelevant, but he was, you know, not that far away. And what, what Adam talks about is that not having a superstar on that team afforded everybody to feel like they had ownership. And what he's, I, I, I'm not going to quote him exactly, but he says, obviously it was Mr. Kraft's team, but it felt like it wasn't Bill's team. It wasn't Tom's team. It was all of our team. And it sets up this, this culture and this sort of magical thing that happens in that 2001 season where all these people have to step up and it's the foundation for everything. All these catchphrases, which I know, you know, at various times, Tom has said, and Bill have sort of dismissed them, but like the Patriot way and things like that. And um, uh, interviewing interviewing Adam was 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 really special. And you know, as you talked about uh, earlier, Ernie Adams was uh, one of my favorite people to talk to, and and got to talk to him for about fifteen hours over the course of the two plus years that we were making this thing. Matthew Hamachek is the director of the Dynasty. Also worked on uh, Tiger for HBO as well. Uh, he's got a lot of great product out there. Kind enough to join us on Twitch today here with Gresham Fourier. You use the word unvarnished and yeah. that this was a multi-year process. I'm curious how all of that blended together considering what has most recently happened with Bill Belichick going out the door. We saw, you know, Christian made the joke of the dad, you know, well, Matthew, we talked about that. I don't know how many times you might have got Heisman along the way, but I'm curious how you kind of navigated getting what you needed to get with people who normally, again, aren't willing to give it. I know you mentioned you got more intel as you went along. Did you find more people, maybe like Adam Vinatieri, who wanted to tell the tale? Or was everybody kind of guarded? No, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, look, the proof's in the pudding, right? As you said, you've watched a lot of the thing, and you mm -hmm. can tell that I think our goal when we set out to make this thing unvarnished is, is there. And what I mean by that is you look at it and... You know, if somebody says, oh, you're going to make a 10-part series about the Patriots, the first thing that everybody asks, whether they were a diehard Patriots fan or not, is, well, are you going to, you know, is, is there going to be Spygate? Is there going to be Deflategate? Is, are you going to be able to cover Hernandez? Are you going to be able to cover Malcolm Butler? And are you going to be able to cover the unraveling of the thing? <laughs> and I think when people start to watch that, the answer is there's an entire episode about Spygate. There's an entire episode about Deflategate, an entire episode about Hernandez, and then um, you know, the the sort of unraveling of the dynasty is covered in the last three episodes. But what I found so incredible about being able to hear these people tell these stories is, yes, all that stuff's interesting because it made headlines. And I think we go much deeper than the headlines that people have read in the past. But it's the creation of this thing and this sort of selfless uh, machine in a, in a way that is really, really hard to, to create to win one Super Bowl with that culture and and then to do three and four years and to sustain it for 
nearly 20 before the thing fell apart is as incredible and as interesting as all of the you know juicy details that the that everybody wants to know about yeah and i think matthew director uh we have here joined us matthew hamachek uh directed the uh the the dynasty on apple uh, tv plus after watching it that's what ultimately i think i came away with because you left out, there are some Bill Parcells segments in there about how that went down. The you know the purchase of the team. You, you understand Kraft's like you know foresight into acquiring the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then with everything that went on is amazing. Even though you just went through it, I, I'm I'm wondering like, can you even imagine? Because is it? It's almost um, un, unthinkable that they were able to still win with all that going on. Yeah, that that's right. And I think that one of the one of the through lines for the Patriots was that they performed at their best when their backs were up against the wall. Right. When everybody on the outside world, you you know, in sports, everybody talks about how if you're going into the Super Bowl game, it's which team can sort of say I'm the underdog and nobody believes in us and sort of have this sort of false sort of creation of the feeling of having your back up against the wall. But the thing that I kept seeing is that the Patriots actually were put in that position. What I mean by that is they win three and four years. They go from being the black sheep of the NFL to being a dynasty. And there's this great line in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies that Michael Strahan actually uses when they're about to play the Patriots for the first time, which is you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And most teams, my team that I root for, like the Packers, for example, if they're lucky, they get to the Super Bowl once every 20, 30 years, and then all of a sudden, they they never can. So they sort of die the hero, right? But then the Patriots won enough to eventually become the villain. And um, I I think when they had their backs up against the walls, when they did their best work, and what I mean by that is that 07 season, right? Spygate happens. And then what you see... And from the footage, because we had access, you pointed this out, but we had access to 35,000 hours of, of footage that had a lot of which has never been seen before. So we're in the locker room when Bill addresses the team uh, after Spygate. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're on, you're with the evil empire. You're, as one of our editors put it, you're almost on the Death Star as the, as the evil empire goes from planet to planet, destroying everything in their path. And what you're used to seeing uh, from the Patriots is this quiet sort of subdued. We're all, you know, we're just focused on the chargers next week, which is what Bill said after the jets game and after the uh, scandal began. But what you get to witness through the footage that we have is that it was more like a party as they were going throughout the league, destroying everybody in their path. And um, I, I, we didn't get it into the movie, but uh, my favorite Bill Belichick line over the 20 years is, is when they play the Redskins that season and I think he scores a touchdown when they're up something like 45 to nothing. And, and somebody says, why, why do you feel a need to go do that? And, and he responds and he says, what do you want me to do? Kick a field goal. And uh, I think that's one of the great Bill Belichick lines of all time. I was just going to ask you, Matthew, as kind of a last thing, whether it was, I don't know, a quote, an interview, a person, what turned into one whole episode. Was there one thing throughout this process where you kind of had that, holy bleep moment where you were like, this is a nugget of gold. Yeah. um, One of those moments for sure. And again, I'm not going to give away what it is because it's not coming out until uh, March 15th or so. But um, there were 
three or four times, both in the Danny Amendola interview and in the Rob Gronkowski interview, where I couldn't believe how 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 forthright and how how much they were willing to reveal and how much they were willing to talk about. And I think that hearing that was the first time that I was like, oh, wow, some of these things that have been hinted about in, you know, articles that sort of quote anonymous sources and you can never tell is this like, you know, is this the guy who's like throwing out the trash in the building or is this like an actual source? Here we have the people who were there and they're saying these things. And and that was some of those things were just shocking to me. But I, I just appreciate the fact that, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you, you sort of you live and die by the people who are willing to talk to you and how far they're willing to go. And I just I, I'm honored that I was allowed to tell this story. And the thing that was most important to me is that, yes, we get into all these details, but I also want people to be able to watch this and say, OK, you know, I might not agree with the reasons that this person did this, but I understand why they did them and to realize that. Um, you know, everybody in this story was trying to do the best they could and they were doing it on the biggest stage imaginable. Um, and the fact that they accomplished what they did is just remarkable. Okay. Last two things for me, I'll make them quick because you spent so much time covering this team, looking at film, talking to all the important people in this organization. Can you, for me and Gresh right here, define the Patriot way? I think it's so many different things. And, and I know that's not the, the, the sexy answer that you probably want, but I, I, there, I still remember talking to Scott Pioli and I, and you know, there's always these questions like this, what's the Patriot way, who was responsible? Was it Bill or was it Tom? But I really like two answers that I got on this subject. The first was from Scott Pioli. And when he said to me, when I said, was it Bill or was it Tom? He said, that's almost an insulting question because what it ignores is the hundreds, if not thousands of people that came through that building over time and and contributed to all of the success that was had. The other line that I think of that really sums up the series to me comes from Ernie Adams, which was talking about how it was one of the first things we ever talked about um, when I first met him. He said, you know, people say it was no fun to be here, you know, whatever. But our fun, frankly, was put was at the end of the year, the confetti's falling on your head and you get to put your finger on the Lombardi trophy. That was our fun. And I think what he was talking about was all the hard work, all the all the, the sweat that was put into getting there. And I think that the through line for all of these people, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, is how hard they worked individually and collectively to get there. And look, I know everybody's talking about the Chiefs as a dynasty, and it's nothing against the Chiefs. I just don't think this is what the Patriots accomplished to have two separate dynasties over 20 years will ever be um, accomplished again. I could be wrong. And it was an honor for me to get to talk to these people who were there who made it happen. But I think for everybody, whether you're a Patriots fan, whether you hate the Patriots, where you couldn't care less about football, it's it's a fun thing to sit back and watch and you'll learn a lot about people and how you create something, how you sustain it. And then sometimes how like the messiness of, of human being, human being with ego and stuff like that comes in, how that kind of stuff can sometimes uh, tear it all apart. 
This is fantastic, Matthew. Uh, well, thanks I, ha- a bunch. I, I, I was oh. going to say, I have your next project for you. Oh, God. Oh, I have your next that? project oh, for you. I feel like well, it's just a Matthew, working title. if you Matthew, hang up. So, Matthew, I, it's a working title. If you hang up, I understand. Wait, let me, let me, quick pitch, quick elevator pitch. Oh, man. Here, here it is. Go. Here it is. Foyer. Just a kid what? from the valley. That's it. There's the title. The Life and Times of Christian Foyer growing up in the San Fernando Valley. There we go. There That's we it. go. All right. I'm I'll sure, have my people call your people. Hey, listen, I'm Sounds sure great. I'm sure Vinatieri <laughs> told Matthew Hamachek, yeah, watch out for this 88 a-hole who jumps up on my shoulders twice after I make a big kick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Me. I'm that guy. There you go. Hey, Matthew, man, this was awesome. Thanks for the time. It was great. Congratulations. Anytime, great guys. work. I, I no. love talking about it. So just thanks for having me on and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. No, good stuff. Thank you. And thanks appreciate for the it. advanced screener. We appreciate it. That's Matthew. Matthew Hamachek, the, the, the director of the Dynasty. We have a lot to get to. Yeah. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. And check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. All right, we'll get caught up here at 1130 with Gresh and Fourier. Uh, that was fantastic with the director of the dynasty, Matthew Hamachek, who joined us on Twitch. So, by the way, uh, this you can also go back and watch this on the YouTube live stream as well. Uh, say you missed it with uh, Hamachek. Not only will it be in uh, podcast form, you can get that at weei.com and the Odyssey app, but also the online video part of it will definitely be up on YouTube. We will get a link out to you. And a uh, couple of things that uh, that stand out for you. Number one was uh, the mention by Adam Vinatieri about how those early teams didn't have a superstar. Therefore, everyone was kind of able to take ownership. I like that. I think they're right. I mean, that is well, why... Well, you lived it. Is that, is that well, really the way it was? Because... Like you, you know, like the first one, definitely. Like Ty Law's a Hall of Famer. He's pretty big presence. You know what I mean? People thought the first one, definitely. And and uh, and I and I always go back to the first Super Bowl team that I've ever seen. Watching the Super Bowl as a kid, as a young adult, as a pro athlete. Usually, when you when you get the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, I always thought it would be interesting how the offense and defense fight over who gets to get introduced, mm-hmm. right? Because the starting eleven, they get their finally their moment in the sun. They each get individually introduced, and they get to do whatever they want to do. The Patriots were the first team to ever do that. Uh, to, sorry, to come out as a team. I thought that goes to what he said about Vinatieri. As the dynasty kind of grew into Super Bowl 38 and Super Bowl 39, they still didn't have a bunch of pro bowlers. No. God they still no. didn't have a bunch of pro bowlers. It was still kind of like a, the no-name team in a way. It was Brady and it was uh, Bill, uh, and Ty was getting a lot of love. But after that thir- Super Bowl 39, when Brewski ended up getting the stroke, is when, when they had the most guys there. It was like Seymour and, and uh, Vinatieri and guys like that. Um, I will say... Um, I watched the majority of them. I think I missed one or two that he missed that he talked about because I was trying to rip through it as quickly as possible. Um, all the reviews are spot on. Everybody loves it. I was amazed at how candid everybody was. I was amazed that things were actually worse than I thought. 
based on the sources and the this leak and the la- that leak. In I was what, amazed. In what way do you mean worse than you thought it was? Because there was still such a high level of success. And for the record, the the, the meat of the stuff it, to me is more towards the the second dynasty when you really felt like things were unraveling. You mean when there was Spygate, Deflategate, yeah. the Murderer? Yeah, because yeah. the first four years, the three out of the four, there was really nothing going on. Like there, there really, really, that's when everything was being built. The whole like when we when we were first introduced to the word tension, a lot of the guys that that were interviewed, um, you know, in the second half mentioned tension a lot. Now they go through the Trump stuff, they go through the taking a knee stuff, they go through just the overall the Alex Guerrero stuff. They go through Brady and his relationship stuff and his family stuff. They go, they, I tell you what, they hit everything. There's not one aspect of this last 20 years that they do not hit. The one area that they kind of neglected, just from the personal standpoint, was the 38 and 39. Like that little nugget of time right then and there when I was involved. Felt like they could have needed a little bit more foyer in this thing. So you're saying, oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait a minute now. <laughs> Uh, is there now you trying to interject yourself is one thing. That was a good idea. It was my chance. I'm not going to miss my opportunity. No, no, but the whole covering of 38 and 39, um, did they not do enough or just not enough you in covering those? It was, it would, it didn't seem that was probably the least represented aspect of the entire thing Mm -hmm. because, uh, um, you know, Brady was entrenched as a starter uh, you're going on a run. That was like the beginning of everything good. Everyone still loved us. It was still a great place to be at. It was a great place to work. And then things slowly started to deteriorate. But and they were still having success. They just weren't winning the Super Bowls. Uh, Manning had a, had a couple. Uh, went to the Broncos. All that. All those things. Seattle right? rose up and got Seattle one. Seattle rose up. And then, you know, they're back in the mix. Um, yeah, that's ultimately... The things that I wanted to know about the Butler thing is is answered. I'm not going to give it away. Um, I told you what was said. Do you believe it? Yes. I 1,000% believe it. Now, he mentioned Malcolm says he doesn't know, and Malcolm has been on this show. Malcolm, Malcolm told Malcolm, us. He has a book he was pushing. To this day, I saw him at the Super Bowl again, not answering the question. Anyone who was on that defense, why didn't the guy play? He was healthy. He played 98% of the stats. We all know the numbers. We all know the numbers. And that was the one time that I saw where Bill got a little testy. And I mentioned it to him, but I didn't want to give it away yeah, Matthew, as far as what he, happened. He didn't flinch like in any of that. Like You can tell the guy has made movies, been a documentarian, and has sat in rooms with people where he's asked tough questions. Yeah, he spoke to these guys a lot. Like, I mean, he literally spoke. Let me go through the list real quick. Of, of who we spoke to because um, it's long. And everybody, I think the most important people are represented. Um, well, Brady, Kraft, okay. Bill, Roger Goodell, Randy Moss, Matthew Slater, Danny Amendola, Dante Stallworth. Interesting addition. Nah, Teddy Bruschi. I'm gotta, just saying. No, I got to, yeah, there's theories on that. Okay, Ty Law, Julian Edelman, Seymour, Rob Gronkowski, John Bon Jovi, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Yes. And of huh. course, yeah, so that's just to name a few. Odd list of characters that are in there. 
Um, and I would say, again, Ernie is the uh, gets the award for I, uh, Best Supporting Actor. You know, I was just going to say to you, uh, will Patriot fans, who, by the way, very nice of you in the Twitch chat and some of you texters to 37937, saying really nice things about the interview. The guy from the 207 said, I'm going to get Apple TV because of this because now I want to see it. Yeah. So a lot of very nice comments and stuff. And there are a couple people, I asked them, hey, what do you want to see here? And they were like, oh, how it ended. You know, like there now there's a level of intrigue because – uh, Bill Belichick is uh, is no longer here, but I just think that uh, Ernie Adams is how should I put this? He is the most interesting uncovered character in the NFL, and relative to this, there are going to be people who are going to be like, "What." That was the guy that Bill had in the basement for 20 years. Because if you've ever had a conversation, if you've ever had a conversation <laughs> with Ernie Adams, there's no way to come away with anything other than being completely impressed. Because I think, in part, there is this thought process of, oh, he's just the dorky, nerdy guy that Bill just had him do all the weird work or whatever. When you actually listen to Ernie Adams speak, he is like one of the smarter people you're ever going to have a conversation with. And I don't know, maybe I'm overselling it, but I think the, I'm with you. The guy who's going to come away in the shining light of this is Big Earn because people haven't heard him before. A couple, a couple guys that I didn't see in there, and you're right about Ernie, and I mentioned before he came on, I never talked to the guy. Nobody knew what he did. This is still when he was still kind of just a shadow figure. How many conversations did you have with Ernie Adams when you were in New England? Three years. One. You, one. And, and, and I will say it wasn't a conversation. It was a what's up. That was it. That was it. Him to you, you to him. Me to him. Because I was like, I'm going to say something to this And guy. what did he say? Watch out, Christian. How are you? He may have just nodded his head. Okay. And he's a pleasant guy. He's a nice guy. He's not sure, a jerk. He, he is a great guy. Yeah, but I just felt I mean, like people are going to be uh, people are going to be blown away at how he speaks. And he's stuff. actually he's almost a caricature in a way. He is okay because he's kind of goofy and he talks funny, but he's got all this wealth of knowledge and he tries to throw down one liners and he thinks they're like real significant, but they're not really necessarily God, are. dad jokes for days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know who wasn't uh, represented is at least as far as I could see. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it again. Because um, I missed one or two episodes. Um, the coaching staff. Josh McDaniels was there, but I didn't see Charlie. I didn't see Dante. Um, well, I mean, I think Dante, you hear Dante's oh, voice a no, lot. No, no, Don- you, you hear him yelling a lot in the background. But I can also understand why Dante would be reluctant to be a part of anything like this. But, no, but this is Dante. Dante was with us. He, Dante is not reluctant to do anything anymore. He does stuff all the time. He listens to the show. He's he's a P one. He's probably one of these guys on Twitch right now. Let's try and figure out which guy is, is Dante on the Twitch stream. Let's not go that far, but that would be pretty funny. If, I like uh, hamburgers. There you go. There he is. There's oh, Dante. That's it. There it is. <laughs> I like hamburgers. He's like me. No cheese. Uh, no, but I would say it's it's going. And here's the thing: we used to talk about Patriot porn all the time. Yep. Bill's mic'd up. Let's listen to him. Patriot porn. Hey, you know, the NFL is releasing, you know, a mixtape of Bill. The 09 Belichick, what was it, My Way or My Life or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 This should have you in your basement with multiple 
boxes of tissue papers and uh, lubricant right. for we're, days. We're, I, maybe for we could, days. Maybe we could have described to people. I want to let they them know. They don't have to purchase anything else. I don't know if we needed to walk them. It's not slow. I mean, it's fast moving. They, they, they don't confuse you. They'll take I, a look back every now and then. It's definitely worth your time. I didn't know you were going to give people what they needed to take their trip to Hand Central Station. Well, I'm telling you, make sure you bring plenty of lube. You could have just went with that. This Bring, is, Hand this, Central Station. Yeah, this, this, if you get this documentary, this will send you to Hand Central Station. There you go for the Patriots porno. And that, and again, one last thing is that there is an obvious difference of opinion between Second Dynasty players and First Dynasty players. That's the, I, mean, I talked to you the about that The Second yesterday. Dynasty guys aren't as afraid to. No, no, the uh, Second Dynasty are much more affected. Oh man, oh, like oh, oh, PTSD. Oh, oh. oh, got it. Affected. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They all he of them got dink. PTSD. Oh my god, yeah. All of them, like the first dynasty, got that it. first group, no big deal. The second group, they need all. They all need therapy. Wow. Danny Amendola needs to see a shrink. Uh, well, great pull from you, friend, in getting uh, in in getting Matthew Hamachek in and uh, and making this happen because it was a uh, it was definitely a good chat. I'm excited to watch uh, more of this this weekend, uh, and I know it's coming out right around the corner. So uh, check it out on uh, Apple TV. Well, we make picks, and sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're really bad. Find out what we did yesterday next in today's Lunchtime Parlay. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. And streaming on WEEI.com. All right. I'm still trying to uh, calculate this parlay because we were uh, all commiserating uh, in the old off-air show. Fourier got some pizza as well, so... Uh, uh, one of the many bets that uh, Foyer needed to pay off. So <laughs> that is, uh, I, I think you're. I think, I, think you're, I like losing. It's, it's it's a weird. Everything's backwards. So you like losing because it ends up getting you the za in the end of yeah. the day. All right then. Uh, that is at least understandable. Uh, yesterday's parlay. Oh man, I did I have it wrong? Yeah. Oh my lord. When well, I was looking at the first quarter numbers of the Celtics. And the Nets, and then I looked at the halftime numbers, and it was like about to be some sort of crazy record for most points scored at a half or the biggest margin of victory. I was like, well, they're not going to chip away at this one. I think they got within 29 points, and then Missoula took a timeout and then and then uh, had a good talking with them, and they and they said and they turned it on again. Yeah, it, I mean, I was just as bad. Uh, I was looking at Xavier, and uh, by the way, uh, Coop the parlay is locked now. The numbers in. Uh, I uh, I was like, oh Xavier, they got to make the NCAA tournament, and Seton Hall, Seton Hall lost like I don't know a couple games in a row or something like that. They ended up winning by like twenty last night at home against Xavier. Shaheen Holloway is doing an unbelievable job with that team, but anyway, I got beat on that one. So we were two and two. Billy had the Lakers on the money line. Uh, Chicken Nick had the Florida Panthers on the money line, and you and I screwed the pooch with the uh, basketball. So, let's get up on that horse once again. The Lunchtime Parlay is presented by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and the official sportsbook of WEEI. Now, I'm going to start this in admitting that the Milwaukee Bucks are not playing great basketball right now, but I do seize interior opportunity for both of the bigs of the Bucks tonight 
against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are one of the worst rebounding teams in basketball. So I'm going to go with Brooke Lopez to go over that season average of five and a half rebounds against a uh, hurting Memphis team. Billy Lanny, good morning, friend. How are y'all? Billy, what's the good word today? Same old, same old. There you go. Oh, Bubba, yeah. Bubba, Bubba, doing paradise. His, Bubba doing his thing. He is. We, uh, 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 what is the next big food that Bubba will get introduced to? Uh, that is a good question. I don't know what it, We still got to do peanut butter. Ooh. We got to do peanut butter because that's an important one. We got to do it early in the day to see if there's any kind of reaction to it. But um, I have a suggestion. Bubba's mother ate peanut butter throughout the pregnancy and, and mixed nuts throughout the pregnancy and has eaten mixed nuts and given him kisses, and he survived. So that's kind of what so we're So no allergies, right? Nothing yet anyway. Okay. So that's why, you know, we got to wait for the peanut butter just to give it a try. Here's a suggestion. Let's hear it. And, okay. And this is what you have to do. Okay? Right. I feel like I have experience in this. Okay. French fries. French fries. Okay, he's about at the age now he can hold it on his own. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's you, had, you he's gotta. A, he's you, had a waffle. He's had a pancake. Yeah, yeah. French fries. <laughs> French fries. You just give him one at a time. You give him one at a time, Billy. But you gotta, you gotta bite off the edges, the the like the the little burnt edges. Sometimes McDonald's has the burnt edges. You bite those off, and then you just let them just sit there and suck on it. And what they do is they end up sucking out all the. They hollow all, it out. They hollow it out. They got a hollow it's, fry with no yes, salt on it. Yes, and then. It's crazy thing. They realize that the good stuff is the bone marrow, basically, and they throw it, and then they go, and they want another one, and then you bite off the edges. You've created a monster. And they absolutely, and then you get them hooked on McDonald's fries. Oh, yeah, right. That's just what I want them hooked on. <laughs> well, I was going to say. Now I would be like, oh, the baby wants fries. I got to go to McDonald's. <laughs> hey, at Looks least, like dad's going to go to McDonald's. <laughs> at least you would be the reason that uh, when he's 30 years old and loves McDonald's, you'd be like, yeah, my dad introduced yeah. me to it. You know what I mean? It's not the whole thing. I'm hey, telling you. It's blame a, it on Uncle Christian. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> like, you're a Lanny. It was probably going to happen oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, without but, a doubt. but dad doing the introduction makes it that much more romantic. I'm trying to slow the process down. We're going to get there. I just don't want to you know, have him dive can, right into it. Can I? admit something too by the way okay here's what i would do for my youngest one my wife will co-sign on this she almost threw it when i would do this i would take the fry Uh, and i would i would kind of pull out the in it and i would put it on the little like a toothpaste tube yeah and then i would put it on the the high chair for my daughter to eat and she would just like take it and then she would just eat the inside and i just do it for all the fries loved them it's disgusting dirty hands but it's yeah dirty hands telling you anyway We got a West Coast block party tonight, boys. Hey! Warriors at the Jazz. I'm taking Draymond Green for over a block and a half. Wow, uh, over a block and a half. uh, Nick, go ahead. Have have I ruined you? He's never been around little kids. You've no, not, you don't it's know not about it's, little kids. It's you torturing French fries. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. It's more of the. It's more of your methodology and the way of going about whatever it too, keeps them right. happy at that point in time. Yeah, uh, Nick, go ahead. Well, in a shocking twist, I'm taking an Oilers-related pick. They're one of the <laughs> hottest teams in hockey, and they're in St. Louis to play the Blues. Give me the Oilers on the first period puck line. All they need to do is lead after one, and it's at plus one thirty-five value right now. So give me just the Oilers to be leading after one period. All right. And then finally, French Fry Mutilator, Christian Foria. Uh, you know what? I just, uh, I've just i come to the conclusion that I just despise the University of Colorado. So whether it's football or basketball, I'm going to pick against them. Ah. And I could have just taken the money line on this because this is Colorado men's basketball traveling to Westwood to take on the UCLA Bruins. Uh, so it's uh, UCLA plus one and a half. 
I'm going to take the Bruins. I can hear Arcan yelling at you from down the hall. That's fine. That's fine. That's I know. They just they they refuse to see the light, but that's okay. Well, folks, we have a big same game parlay for you. So UCLA plus one and a half. The Edmonton Oilers to win the first period. Draymond Green over one and a half blocks. I'm on Brooke Lopez over five and a half rebounds, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! Roby, $10 going to win you $210.21. That is a multiple of, uh, what there, 20 and money left over to get you some lunch. How about that? We will get it up on social media. Follow us on Twitter, Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I. Get us on the Instagram, Gresh and Fourier. Spell the A-N-D in between our last names. We're going to do a quick update on a little bit of everything. The Celtics' first half is over. The Bruins play tonight. Something Craig Breslow said from spring training and trading the number three pick with the Patriots. All that next. Now, back to the guys. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Oh, the pizza's flowing in here. Matthew Hamachek put everybody in a good mood, getting you ready to watch that Patriots documentary. And here's Journey. Yeah, I nailed that one, folks. You did. And this is good Journey, not now Journey. Yeah, that's why I told you about that uh, that documentary that I watched about uh, We Are the World. Yeah. He was the guy, I think I told you, we hear his voice. Out of all the singers that were in that group of We Are The World, everybody was the most in awe of him. Steve Perry did yeah. some stuff at the uh, group of stations I used to work for down in Providence. Really nice guy. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He seems cool. Like He doesn't have that sort of air about him that, yeah. you know, hey, I'm a part of a legendary rock band. And and every time, like, I just wish I could sing. I would trade in my athletic ability. To be a pop star. Why? To be like a singer. Just to be able to, to sing. It's like the one thing Help. I can't, oh, I cannot sing I, to I, save my life. I can't play golf. There's a no, lot of things I can't do, Billy, actually. Billy and Nick are going to have to get in on this because it gets back to the age-old question. You just brought it up. Why does every athlete want to be a rock star and every rock star want to be an athlete? Why does every actor want to be a director and every director want to act? Well, because though that's a little different. It's skin in the game. What you no, just but see, said I don't want to be. You a, would trade I, your athletic yeah, ability. I want to be, be a to, crooner. Just more ways for them to stay in the spotlight. It's ego. Absolutely, you do it till you're ninety. Yeah, I can have a I can have a residency in Vegas. Well, do you, you want to work until you're ninety though? Yes, who doesn't? Me? Everybody? Are take you away, kidding uh, me? Take away, w- take away bills for children. You I love work till you're ninety. <laughs> yeah, I love all y'all. But do you want to work to your 90 or do you have to work to your 90? Well, I, mean, I would say I, getting, I would think getting out of bed is important. Having something to look forward to when you get older is important. So I always thought like if 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 I like devoted as much time to like playing the guitar, playing the piano as I did shooting hoops, playing catch with if, if we did that, we could be the Hanson brothers. We would have been able to be, have like our own little band. Oh my singing, god! You know, touring the country and a I little would argue band. That it's harder to be a musician than it is an athlete, though. I I imagine the percentage number of musical artists that actually hit is far lower than athlete. So, like, uh, hold on. Let me see. You probably got a point there, right? Because like. There's like obviously there's multiple sports you can play. You can choose from a bunch of different sports. It's not like hey, I'm going to sing country as as opposed to rap. It's hard no matter what you do. 
But the amount of effort, I feel like, is the same. Like, you like Jelly Roll. How old is he, 38, it took him to break through? Well, he was also in like prison or something. Massively yeah, addicted yeah, yeah. to There's drugs. A lot of those that, like, yeah. that break through later, or you're a one-hit wonder, and okay. you're screwed, and you think you're good. All right, so I just uh, I, I Googled a, uh, like, how many, you know, how many artists have had number one songs, right? And I'm looking at something here from one of these rock and roll websites that says, there are only 11 artists in the history of the Billboard Hot 100 who've topped the chart at least 10 times. Taylor Swift earned her 11th. That might be up now. Tying Whitney Houston. The Beatles are the most number ones at 20. Mariah Carey's number 19. So I guess Tom Brady would then be the Beatles of the NFL. Okay, well, well, so the Beatles are Brady, Montana, Bruce Springsteen. Give me... AK, what you would, what we would consider like a, like if you were an actor, like a working actor, I constantly get jobs. I'm on this show. I'm on that show. I'm earning a living being an actor. I'm not a superstar. I'm not a, I'm not a superstar, but I'm, I'm always getting hired. I've earned a living being an actor, doing commercials, doing whatever. To me, that would be much more enjoyable than playing football. Do you know? And my Super Bowl would be, I would be in a movie that won an Oscar. But do you know how many of these people would probably cut off a testicle to get a Super Bowl ring? All I have to do is do this. Well, yeah, and the foot is in the Uh, air. That's that's what you get. You get Foyer's foot. You get surgery at 52, right? You're running around on some stupid knee rover because uh, you have your wife drive you to work. You sit in the back seat. The best move you made today was having your wife drive you to work. You've re- you've actually uh, made me realize the benefit of that. Multiple different things that I accomplished with this. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. I, I, hopefully your ankle will feel better. True. There is that. True. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, yeah, very much so. But we picked so, up some but... little nuggets along the way. But then your back is jacked up too, so you got to get Again, that, right? Like, what I just, I'd rather just like, let's say like, hey, instead of like catching footballs, I, I practice on the harmonica. Anywhere I go, that's a career. Anywhere, anywhere, uh, anywhere no, I go, there's a party. No I go one. To, I, I, it's not like a trumpet. I don't have to carry it in a case. I put it in my back pocket. I realize that the party is kind of slow and nobody's energized. I said, "Hold on." Wah, 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 wah. No one I woke do. up and said, "I want to be John Popper." I mean, that's really what you're you're bucking for here, because how many other people can you name since 2000 who are unbelievable at the harmonica that would be mainstream that people would know? There's got to be somebody like the Blues Brothers. Dan Aykroyd, he plays the harmonica. Yeah, but that was also a 90s act. That's That's what I'm saying. Like after it feels 70s. I mean, (laughs) it feels like the harmonica has definitely gone the way of uh, Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like Bruce Willis was the last, you know. Harmonica player. Yeah, Does it, Bruce uh, Willis was like a legitimate blues singer. You know what? Like David on Magic in the morning, he plays the harmonica. I, I don't know, but he would feel like the kind of guy who could bust out a harmonica and be like, "Yeah, I did this when I was a kid." I just feel like if, if I always wonder, like if I was to do the whole sliding doors thing instead of committing, like if I was a super nerd and you know I didn't have any friends and I just decided to sit in my room and just play like you know chopsticks on the piano. Or, you know, create, you know, uh, you know, just practice my acapella, you know, in the bathroom or in the shower. What would it look like? The, uh, the Twitch. Could I be on a boy, can I be in a boy band? The, uh, Twitch chat is on fire. Fourier wants to be on stage, according to Mac1614. 
Uh, Dado Dank, Fourier wants center stage, LOL, but doesn't understand having to work for a living. I'm surprised he didn't force his kids into it like Joe Jackson. <laughs> the Fourier uh, Seven. <laughs> I could have. The Von Trapp family singers. I could have leafed on the Von Trapp thing, right? Put them all in the same clothes. Uh, throw them out there at a bunch of town fairs. Uh, maybe like a Renaissance fair. We got a Christian Buble reference. <laughs> and probably, listen, I can't. Listen, if, if anything is hereditary... It's singing. Like, I feel like you're born with the ability to sing. Some people can learn uh, to I sing kind of decently, but, like, that wasn't something anyone was passing along to me. Right. It was height, strength, you know, and that was it. Also, well, being an athlete's not hereditary when the McCaffrey family is f- fifth-generation athlete. I have begged <laughs> the people at UMass to allow me to sing the anthem one time with the band. Jesus. <laughs> It would be amazing. Uh, oh, say can you see? I'd be uh, way out of pitch, out of key. Fourier. <laughs> Wait, what was that? that? That was for our first pitch. Oh, that's right. Grish and Fourier. There you go. Well, the Celtics end the first half on a very high note. They get a 136-86 win over Brooklyn last night. That puts the Celtics at 43-12 and here at the First half break, yeah. all-star break, whatever in the world you want to call it. Um, everybody feeling good about the seas, and then now it is into all-star weekend. And uh, clearly, Fourier, the uh, Nets had a uh, early flight this morning that they needed to catch to go to their uh, tropical locale oh, yeah. for a couple days. I bet you they left. This seems like the way the Nets performed last night seems like their coach said, listen, you don't have to fly back to uh, to New York. You guys can leave from Boston. That I've been on those trips before as a football player where the coach, well, actually the coach didn't know it, but we brought all our our luggage. We talked to the, um, you know, um, uh, uh, the, I forgot what the name uh, the, is. Uh, the traveling equipment secretary. Guy. No, the, equipment the equipment guy. Equipment guy. And the right. equipment guy put all our luggage on there. So while the game was playing, we're just worrying about, like, how we if we're going to catch our flight or not. <laughs> That was what the Nets were doing. That's what it felt like last night with the uh, Nets. Will the Seattle Kraken do the same tonight? Bruins are going to uh, take on the Kraken uh, as the uh, Bees just continue to roll along. It'll be uh, Brad Marchand's 1,001st yeah, game there you go. in the uh, National now, Hockey League. When do you celebrate it again? When he reaches what? Uh, What's the next milestone for him? So he reached a thousand. There's well, like a hundred. hundred is a big one, but I think eleven hundred, twelve hundred, probably okay. twelve fifty, thirteen hundred, right. fourteen, then fifty. Okay. Would be my guess. I mean, if Brad Marchand plays another five hundred games, that would be something. That's basically five more years. Uh, with the eighty, maybe eighty. Say you just I'll go for go easy number eighty. Uh, times six is 480. Okay. So a little more than five. Okay. Uh, the latest from the Red Sox at spring training is nothing to report. Is uh, Cora back? Uh, I, oh, you know what? Good question. I don't know. I have to, uh, I have to look that. I haven't seen anything, but how about this from yesterday? Craig Breslow got straight up asked point blank question. Are you all play? It might have been two days ago. Are you all playoff team? <laughs> Listen to the. I mean, if this were a car, this would be on the windiest road you would have ever been on. 
it's kind of foolish to, to make predictions like that. I think this is going to be a, a very competitive team. I think it's going to be a, a team that is going to take, uh, that's going to see its players take a meaningful step forward. Oh, and I think, uh, you know, I there's can't. a really exciting young core of players um, that we are, are really, really excited about. And I think that fans are going to fall in love with. Oh, yeah, you're going to fall in love oh, with them. God, he's, he's, all, he's, he's, we've already <sighs> seen them all. We're going to fall in love Here's with them. Here's the thing. Yeah, right? Here is the thing. <laughs> Why doesn't like why doesn't one guy learn from the last guy? They went to the same school. Here is what you say. We all know you're not a playoff team. You've already said you're not spending. Just say no. Cora says no. He'll say it during the season. He'll say what you just heard was a bunch of gobbledygook, a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of just avoiding the truth. Just say no. You said you're not even going to spend until there'll be a time when we start doing things the Red Sox way. Why don't you just say no? Because, honest to God, please tell me, don't you think that's a better approach, being honest, instead of doing the whole roundabout circus dance that this guy is doing, the same stupid thing that the guy before him did? Well, here's what I would do before answering that question. I would have already looked up how many tickets were sold going into the year. If we're over two point four million, I'm honest. If not, then it's the well, you know, different. But teams that's not have important. Different objectives. No. Okay, see, that's da, da, da. the thing. See, that's the company yeah, way. Oh, I they don't. The, the Fenway. Yeah. Listen, the, what I have heard, Gresh, is that the Fenway experience is more important than wins and losses. People come for the Fenway experience. So, what does it matter if you admit that you're not a playoff team? People are going to come anyways. So, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I feel like Will Smith right now. Like, it just doesn't, <laughs> if you will endear yourself to the fans more, more by being blatantly honest, which which now it feels like they're cherry-picking, like him in particular. But can Breslow be completely honest without getting blowback from the organization? Or, like, do they just have blinders on over there? I mean, does John, like, is John Henry aware people are not thrilled to where if Breslow answered a question that got on his radar, I don't know. I'm just asking. This is my problem. I don't problem. disagree with you, by the they way. They think the fans are stupid. And well, maybe maybe yeah. they are. Maybe I give the fans too much credit for being able to see through the, this, 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 the, the bogus you know, philosophy and approach that they have. Well, Ed says in the Twitch chat says, no, it isn't, Christian. You have to maintain a positive attitude. You can still maintain a positive attitude. I've been on plenty of teams and we knew we were not good enough at the time. Right now, we're not good enough. If you ask Cora the same question, because we played sound from him. We would get a very different answer. Two, was it Tuesday or two Wednesday? Because he missed yesterday, right? Um, and he, oh yeah, so he, he talked on Monday. We played it on Tuesday. He was pretty honest. Maybe it's because he's a lame duck coach. With no contract extension, last year of his deal. Why elevate had, expectations if you're the manager? Lower. If I was, if I, if I'm Breslow, I'd say, guys, it's really bad. Like we, I can't spend any money. We don't have any pitching. Blah 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 blah. Scott Boris is like, you know, pulling me around like I got a little leash on my neck. Like he owns me right now. I can't get through to him. It's gonna be tough. But you know what? Fenway experience is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll uh, be over there. And by the way, the end of the month, the Greg Hill Show will be heading to Fenway South Ooh. Uh, for some uh, shows that. down there. When does Wiggy say, yeah, I get a home run and then end up in the batter's box? Because <laughs> we know that yeah. would happen with you. 
Well, I mean, I've, I've listened. I've been pushing for this for the past five years. I so know. We'll, uh, we will uh, get that done. Uh, I had a thought on the number three pick that we're going to shelve because coming up, we've talked a lot about the offense with the New England Patriots. But if Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are building something, it appears as if they're not just building it for the 2024 season. That it's got to be thought of maybe in a three-year window. And Fourier, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys that factored in heavily to the defense this year are going to be free agents in 2025. So who do you extend? Or is it time to look to move on from some people? No matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. If you missed our conversation with the director of the Dynasty, Matthew Hamachak, you can check that out on the YouTube page. And by the way, when you go to the YouTubes and you type in WEI, what is there? The list of the Gresh and Fourier clips right there. We got our own page within the WEEI page on YouTube. Check that out there. And don't forget, you can watch us do this show, twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. Now, Foyer, mm-hmm. I know that in trying to build a football team down there, Gillette, as the, uh, what is it, Collaboration Nation rolls on down it's there. It's the CNC Football Factory. That's right. CNC connectivity fo- and collaboration. Collaboration and connectivity. The yep. CNC Football Factory. Well, let me ask you this, Foyer. Don't you think there's got to be some tough decisions made on the defensive side of the ball as well? Because I have, in terms of players that you and I would need to render an opinion on. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen guys. When, when are we making these? One of these decisions need to be made. Well, here's the thing: these are guys that are still under contract for 2024, but these people that I'm about to mention: 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 15 16. This hmm. group are all going into the final years of their deal. So if you're Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo, are you going to just make the mistake of, well, we got to fix the other side of the ball, and then we'll deal with defense next year? Or do you start to try to make some not only tough decisions, but also smart decisions? So, for example, let's look at one of the guys who's going into the – all these people, by the way, folks, going into the final years of their contracts, Okay. Devon Godshaw, eleven million six hundred fifty thousand is his cap number. If you would like to move on from Godshaw, you can save yourself three and a half million dollars if you want to. So the question is, Fourier, do you look at a guy like uh, Devon and do you say, eh, "I don't want him," or "Nah, last year of his deal, I'll make him sing for his supper," or? Maybe that's somebody we can extend for a couple of years. Um, he probably finally started living up to being the defensive tackle that you thought he was going to be. He and he, listen, we love him. Unbelievable he's, he's, interview. He's, he's one of the personalities that I like. I think he's a great leader. Here's a guy. Listen, he's going to cost this much. I don't know if cutting him is worth it. I would say as many of your, I guess, regular guys on your defense as you can keep, especially for Covington, who's now your defensive coordinator, you want to keep them. 
You want to keep veteran, reliable, consistent players on your team. Okay, would that include a guy like Dietrich Wise, whose cap number next year is $7.1 million, but you can save just under $5 million if you move on from him. Now, moving on from him... Meaning that you would either, you could cut him, yep. and then you're just repurposing the position or sending him off, or you could extend some of See, these guys. Here's what, when I look at this, I have a tendency to ignore the dollar amount. Why? Because I think, you know, sometimes it's just the cost of doing business is, it is what it is, and each guy has a number attached to him. I look at it as more of, uh, do I want this guy on my team? I'll figure out the finances. Great, because don't we kind of agree that, they can pretty much sign anybody they want to if they want to sign them bad enough. Oh, of course, I mean, because of the space and, and what they want. But, but even just like even if you're up against the cap, you can you can sign the guys you want to. But this is also the decisions on where you're going in your in in the future with your defense. I mean, think about it. Do we really think this group down there at Gillette are going to let every one of these guys we're going to bring up? Just play their final years of their deal and then hope you resign them or whatever. Like, that's the, the uh, when we're, because when we get into team building, it's more than just what you're going to do with the number three pick. And this defense, I think a lot of us like it. And you also said, um, the coaching wise, there is a outside linebackers coach, an, an inside, inside linebackers, linebackers coach, coach, a defensive line coach, a cornerbacks coach, and a safeties coach. Yeah. Right, so literally every position is represented. Instead of having a D line coach, linebackers coach, all encompassing, and a secondaries coach, right, right, and that would in- include cornerbacks and safeties. It seems like they're getting specialized for a reason. Is it because change is coming? Well, that's what I mean. It's like, so why do I? Why do I need? Do I feel like that's a better way for us to collectively collaborate? Well, here's and get the- connected. Well, there's some of that. <laughs> However, might you look at a guy like Dietrich Wise and say, I like you, but I can save almost $5 million bucks on the cap, and I have Keon White ready to take your job in whatever this new configuration might be. It's stuff like that. So Lawrence Guy, another one of our favorites. Next year, $3.75 million. You'd save about... Uh, $1.75 million if you cut him or moved on from him. He feels like a guy who is just on the last year of his deal here. I'll have him here. I want him here, but I don't know if I'm extending some. Godshaw, I want to talk about an extension. You know, with Dietrich Wise, I could listen to someone say, no, we might need to move on from him for Keon, but with Lawrence Guy, you're here. You're in the final year of your deal. I'm not touching it. See, I would say Lawrence Guy also seems like a uh, you know collateral damage in a way. There's a young guys. There's a young guy that I want to take his spot. He seems like an older guy that had issues last year for whatever reason. Um, still valuable, obviously, but seems better suited at a veteran minimum on another team that needs a depth player. Here's a what, depth player. Here's why I keep Lawrence Guy. Number one, good leader. Number two, accountable, will teach good habits. And in the event that the Patriots are not good next year, which is highly likely, that's somebody that you can flip at the deadline who another team will look at and say, vested veteran, rotational D-tackle, high-level experience. You, you Again, are you getting a ton? No, but it's something. 
and to me, he's worth keeping around. Christian Barmore next year is only making $2.7 million. If you notice on the sheet, Christian, I wrote no notes afterwards because he's getting extended, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm Absolutely. with you When healthy, he's one of the better D-linemans in the league. And that's why I think we go through this exercise because if you look at someone like, say, Dietrich Wise, where you can get big savings and then you rework a Barmore deal and extend him out a little bit, now you start to figure out the math. Uh, I like this guy, but I don't know where you land on Daniel Equali heading into the final year of his deal at two point one million. If you cut him, you save one point five million, so he costs you nothing. Really? Uh, again, like so, those medium price guys, which I would call like a two million dollar a year, because veteran minimum is right over a million dollars. Yeah. So you're like doubled the veteran minimum for somebody who. Yeah. So you're not does grunt work. Yeah, you're not costing them a lot. Uh, you know, um, if they find somebody else, uh, who they think is more valuable, then yeah, they were fun. But keeping him isn't going to kill you. Agreed. Uh, Matthew Judon, how about this? If you cut Matt Judon, it costs you ten mil. So he's here next year. Well, didn't he also just he didn't well, he rework his deal? He reworked. His, he, I would now is when you should do it. <laughs> well, with this new group without Bill here, it's no. too late. He's not going to be able to do it coming off an injury. Well, it's interesting, and I don't know if Mayo wants to rock the boat that way. And if the only thing left over is like two million on a void year in twenty twenty five, but you can get away from him if you wanted to, I feel like that situation can kind of work itself out in terms of Judon. But in redoing the deal, it kind of guaranteed to me he's going to be here this year, which I think he would be anyway. Here's a guy that I think is ripe to be cut. Chris Board, mm-hmm. who is another one of those Belichick buys of the mid-level free agent special teams dude. He's going to make $2.897 million. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, you'd save a million bucks to cut him. It's about a $937,000 hit. I think he's a dead man walking. Uh, Jelani Tavai. Are you into extending Jelani Tabai, or is this an evaluation year on no, Jelani Tabai? last year. He was great last year. I thought he was one of the unsung heroes. I thought he speaks well. He's a good leader. He does all the right things. He plays his butt off. $2.15 million. He's going to get – this is when he, he's going to get paid. You would think so. He is definitely, if not here, somewhere else. That was a good contract that Bill left yeah. behind. If you uh, if they did move on from Tavai, you could save a million dollars by cutting him. Uh, and then we get into Raekwon McMillan. You know what? If I get if I can cut Raekwon McMillan and shift over some of that money to re-sign Anthony Jennings, Jennings popped last year. I'd love to keep that guy around if possible. Raekwon McMillan feels like another guy who's just in the darkness, and then all of a sudden, Smaller, oh, lighter, oh, he plays yeah. a couple of games. Yeah. Jonathan Jones at corner for you. Now, I didn't know his number was his eye. Yeah, Jonathan Jones this year, because remember, they re-signed him in the offseason, or last offseason, uh, and Jonathan Jones is on the hook. $12.75 million this year. If he is cut, you only save $250,000. He's here. Yeah. Wow, that's a big number. That's a big nut. Do you, do you maybe throw another year in an extension to try to finagle a little bit? Or is that a guy who's, what, 31, 32 now maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, he might not even be that old. Let me look real quick. But. Yeah, it just I guess it would just depend on um, – he seems like a guy that would uh, play nice uh, with the Patriots as far as, uh, you know, at a year, you know. But, again, that's – John Jones will be 31 this year. Wow. That's a huge number. Good for him. Um, but that's a thing. 
are you stuck keeping him almost? I mean, right now, he is the starting corner opposite Gonzo. Yeah, I think you're keeping him. Uh, Jabril Peppers is only $5.47 million this year. Uh, it only costs two hundred to cut him, two hundred grand to cut him. Are you extending Peppers? He's interesting because um, he's such a, you know, just such a, like, uh, like a, you know, passionate, you know, ex, uh, expressive, you know, leader on this team. Very emotional, too. You saw a lot of Jabril Peppers. Probably more than you thought you would ever see of this guy because they were losing so much. He was caught on hot mic a couple times. Remember, like, during the season, the guy, you guys kicked our butt or something like that. Well, does Mayo value safeties the way Bill did? Again. Because Jalen Mills is out the door. Yeah. Why? I, I, I don't know why I'm stuck on the whole, you know, outside linebacker coach, linebacker coach, D-line coach, safeties coach. I do think there's something to that. But, again, he's he's uh, I don't know if he makes that much money. Um, but it's it's almost be foolish for you to get rid of him. Well, Adrian Phillips might be uh, might be somebody who you think would be on watch. However, he's making a little over four million dollars as Adrian Phillips, and if you cut him to move on from him, you only save four hundred thousand. Yeah, and all these guys are on their last year of their deal, right? All these guys uh, are going into yeah. That's a lot. Thank is this you. when you say run it back? Well, I mean, is this are we running it? Run it back. Well, here's the thing: who do you want to keep, and who who do you want to keep long term? Because like for a Lawrence guy, I'm completely comfortable with him being here next year at the three point seven five million cap number. But I want to extend Barmore. I would like to explore tacking on a year or two or three to say Godcha. Uh, Jelani Tavai is somebody you'd want to keep around. But like Jonathan Jones, you got one year of a, of a number that you didn't even expect Fourier, and he's 30, going to be 31. So you might be looking to move on from someone like that. Adrian Phillips really didn't play a ton, but, boy, he makes a lot of money. And it makes me wonder, do they keep him around to keep him around, or do they just cut bait now and say, listen, I know it's not a ton of savings, but we got to move on. And then Sean Wade played a lot last year. He's only on the hook for a million bucks. If you cut him, you save that money, that kind of deal. Uh, Jalen Mills, Miles Bryant, Cody Davis, and Kyle Duggar are your straight free agents. Kyle, doing, wait, you, say that again? Let, uh, here are the guys that are the free agents, okay? okay? I'll just go one at a time. Oh, here we go. Jalen Mills. Yep. No. Uh, Miles Bryant. I feel like he's a sympathetic figure. They like him for some reason. Well, he played well this year, yeah, didn't he? I know, I know. People were ripped him because of just his name was Miles Bryant, but he, he, he but he was one of your more consistent guys. He could be replaced by yeah. Isaiah Bolden next yeah. year, but um, blah, blah, blah. Cody, Cody Davis. Davis, see ya. Yeah, I, Kyle Duggar. He's gonna make a lot of money. Where doesn't I mean? So the, his number, I think, is gonna be hard to match. He it goes over the first hour we talked about the the hybrid linebacker, the guy like he's basically Jamie Collins. He's a smaller, less athletic Jamie Collins. It's the same type of guy. Jamie Collins was just a bit bigger, physical, but he was the first, I guess, uh, indication that Bill was looking for a hybrid guy, but he was just a freak. And Kyle Duggar is in that same mode. Remember, we talked to him. I stood next to that dude. He's a lot bigger than you think. He met oh a, yeah, he's he's uh, he's definitely thicker, no question. Uh, I'm just trying to look up. Uh, duh, 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 duh. 
Nick, who was it? Was Jesse Bates? It was yeah, Jesse Bates four was for the 64? best. Was the best safety on the market last year. He got four for sixty-four with the Falcons. So that's about fourteen million dollars a year. He's that's what he's gonna get. Um, let's see here. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's really. He's funny. never I'm... really been hurt. He was on a, always on a good defense. He was coached by Bill. Small school, developed here locally. The dude is a leader. He's consistent. So, uh, Spot Track, who does a good job of this stuff, I wanted to go to their projections. Their projection is sixteen and a half million a year, four years, sixty-six million. So, kind You'll of probably awful Nick Dogg. I would think you know, it's forget about whether you want him or not. Do you think they can afford him? No. Again, we go back to the whole cap deal, which yeah, you can't afford what you want. But do you want to be in business at that level, or do you end up with a Matt Judon contract where you're upside down and then you're trapped and you can't move on from a guy? Um, I mean, I don't know. Is is Kyle Duggar worth being paid uh, more than anybody else on that defense? Last year, everybody was doing the crying game for old Matt Judon. Here's, oh my God, here's what I'll say. Uh, here's what I say, and I and I and I and I love when that question gets brought up. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Got nothing to do with it. It's timing, it's opportunity, it's dues paid, free agency. Deserves got does he? Sure, why not? Why not him more? Why not? And he's is, not is my, Matthew Judon he's a, not, more, technically a more valuable player? Yeah, he's not my best defensive player. So I know, but I don't know. I, I know, but I, see, I know the timing comes up. It's too bad Judon could sit there and say, "Listen, I should be paid. I should always be the highest paid defensive player on your team." He doesn't deserve. Go tell. Like I, I can only imagine Matthew Judon, and this isn't a you issue; it's a me thing. No. going up to uh, Kyle Duggar and saying, "You don't deserve to make more than me. I'm better than you." He told everybody well, you else, had your chance. He told everybody else on the defense last year that he was more important for holding out for guaranteed money when a bunch of other veterans didn't. So he's already set himself apart. Yeah, I I, I always ignore that aspect of the whole like, oh my god, he can't be the high. He hit it at the right time. That's 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 the business. Good for him. Yeah, sixteen be hard. Oh, sixteen listen, million is a would, and think about the expectations that are now obviously yeah. right on top of your head, right right then and there. Uh, I also have one more that I want to get to you later. It will require some thought. Okay, what Ooh. do you uh, what do you do with J.C. Jackson? Quickly, here's the reason why. There's no there's no carryover bonus. You traded for him. Yeah. You can completely redo his deal. Do you know how much JC Jackson's supposed to make next year, Christian? Probably a lot. 14.25. Later. So are you cutting him or are you reworking it? We will get to that because coming up next, a guy too drunk to fight, a guy who now doesn't have anyone to fight, and someone who shouldn't have been fighting at all. Big deal, no big deal is next. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. All right, big deal, no big deal. Handicapped edition with Foyer and Gresh. All right, so um, I know you've uh, you know that Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey have a podcast called New Heights, and I'm I'm assuming that during the Super Bowl uh, last Sunday, you noticed Jason Kelsey hanging out with his wife. Did you notice that? Uh, yes, I did. Because they actually showed them in the booth. And uh, Jason Kelsey obviously puts his little whatever costume on. And then his wife 
was not seen in a Kansas City Chiefs like outfit. Didn't have a shirt on, didn't have a jersey on, didn't have anything. She was wearing uh, where they went to school, which was which was the University of Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, they actually talked about this because the question of big deal, no big deal is will be coming up after the sound. Kylie got some love from the Philadelphia fans for her continued refusal to wear Chiefs gear, even though she has personal connections and she just does not want to do it. I get it, man. She doesn't seem to care about uh, Cabrini, her college. Yeah, she, she'll wear University of Cincinnati, but... <laughs> she'll she'll <laughs> wear she, other universities, but she won't wear other NFL teams. Don't you f*** around with my fandom over the birds. I respect it, Kai. I appreciate you even wearing red. Anyways, I, I've tried to... I've, listen, Kylie, this is... We have family in the game. It's okay to cheer on that listen, team. They're not playing any, the Eagles. You realize anything, this isn't against the Eagles, right? Anything she, she, she just refuses. that's against you, I'm here You're for You're for yeah, that's a good that's a good stance. I'm take. on her team. All right, Gresh. Uh, Jason Kelsey's wife, Kylie, refusing to wear anything other than the Philadelphia Eagles gear, even though her brother-in-law is playing in the Super Bowl. Big deal, no big deal. No big deal whatsoever. Good for her. Stand what? on stand on business. Oh, God. Stand on business. Your house wasn't built by Travis. It was built by Jason. This is such a big deal. What is the what is the big deal? Uh, the, what is the problem? Your brother-in-law. Is playing in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. If if when now when Philly was playing in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, I'm sure Travis Kelsey was wearing Philadelphia Eagles gear or whatever lady he was with at that point mm. time was wearing Philadelphia gear, supporting him. You're, you know why this weird obsession and loyalty to the Philadelphia Eagles? Like why not give your loyalty to your brother-in-law? Two different conferences too. The the the, the stubbornness for this lady is odd to me. Like, it's almost like she's trying really hard to be different, and I think it's backfiring. Uh, I don't think it's backfiring at all. I think they're about to get a reality show because people They already have this. one. No, but I mean... A, they, no, they have one now. No, a better one. Oh, a better... Made by a better director? No, how about on a network that isn't uh, one that I got to look up? Well, all I know is like it was. I think it was on Apple or Netflix. I I watched it before. It wasn't oh, there that you go. Inter- Listen, here's the problem. It can be on another network all at once. They're, she's just not that entertaining. It's on he's, Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon. It's Kelsey's. Order. He's the funny one. Jason Kelsey is the funny uh, one. She's is, not uh, funny. She's very endearing. Uh, endearing. Okay, I like but she's her. not I, funny. I think people dig her a lot. No, I love this. That she's kind of. Plus, they live in Philly. She doesn't want to so hear from what? Oh, uh, really? You've ever dealt with a fan? Yes, fan? it's no different than a Boston fan. Really? What's the difference? I don't know. Hey, okay, uh, wouldn't you think that the Philadelphia, the Philly fans would kind of say, we're going to cut her some slack and give her a pass on this one. Her brother-in-law is playing in the Super Bowl. So some of the uh, uh, Twitchers jumping in, uh, she is from Philadelphia. Oh, God, here we go. Uh, it's called, She's one of those. It's called loyalty. She was a She's real athlete in college, right? <laughs> Right? She's all good. <laughs> I'm a light, I would say lighten up, Francis. That's what I would say. Uh, all right. I, I have such a great line, but I, I no, cannot whatever. use it. You, what is it rude or to me or to her? No, I was. this is like getting mad at an ex-wife for not uh, wearing the jersey or whatever. I just thought it was a little odd that she's at the, she's, she, she wears red, but it's the University of Cincinnati red, not Kansas City red. Plus, the other thing, too, is. Pull a Belichick. Take the logo off. Do that. No, they go the other way. They help make uh, Kyle Juszczyk's wife 
you know, uh, more famous with her jackets and stuff that they that she put. Oh together. man! All right, another Super Bowl story because obviously uh, the 49ers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes was fired as a defensive coordinator. Um, wow. One season. After he was hired, he was hired a February 9th, Gresh, 2023. He's already been fired, and he only gave up 19 points to Travis, Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes in regulation. Obviously, the second half was an issue. Big deal, no big deal. Looks like this guy's a scapegoat. Uh, it's a big deal that he's a scapegoat. It is a bigger deal that this guy wins in the NFL game of life. Think of this. This homyonkle <laughs> got hired in Arizona Got fired after a year. Yeah. This guy went to Carolina. He took over as the interim. Hey, here's more money. Here you go. Guess what? We're going to punt you. Then he goes to the Niners. I think he signed a two-year deal. Made it one year. This guy is the master of getting free money. It's unbelievable. That's why I respect the hell out of Steve Wilkes. And yes, there were times where he should have been blitzing in the Super Bowl. I can actually, from a football standpoint, understand why Kyle Shanahan might want to punt this guy. I admire him more because he's done more for less than maybe anybody in the NFL not named Matt Patricia. He's the Chase Daniel of coordinators. He is the Matt Patricia of coordinators. Are you surprised that so many people are are standing up for Steve Wilkes? Uh, Every single analyst, black, white, indifferent, doesn't matter. Because they will list all the things that happened in that game. That proved that Steve Wilkes was not the problem. He didn't fumble the ball. He didn't decide to take the ball in overtime. He he didn't throw an interception. He didn't get sacked. He didn't miss a block on Chris Jones. But I will say this, and I want you to listen to this, because I think I know exactly the moment during the Super Bowl that he was fired. All right. So here, hold on, because because uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan says that he didn't fire him right away because he needed to think about it. I think that's a big deal because I think it's a lie. Here's the actual play where he got fired. He had that... Deep pass earlier in the game. Timeout called by San Francisco. Five guys up there, Jim. All way back there as if you got an extra. I think Kyle didn't like it. He goes, no, no, no. No offense. This is where he's telling Steve. I don't want to go cover zero because you feel like we got to come after him here. Give me a different play. That's why he did it. That's what what I think he got fired. I agree. And, And do you agree that towards the end of that game, it did look like his, his decisions were a little, like, reckless and just odd. You know what it's reminiscent of? Todd Bowles blitzing on third down Tampa against the Rams when Stafford made a big throw. They converted. They won the game. And still, Todd Bowles ended up getting that head coaching job. But to me, that's what that reminded me of, except the head coach jumped in and was like, nope, I'm calling timeout Yeah, and my thing is, like, if you can't make these tough decisions when this game matters as much, when the situation is as crazy and hairy as it is, then, I, I, I mean, we'll never win a good game, a big game, against a really good, difficult team like the 49ers. Sorry, like the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, last one. Uh, Wednesday's game, Gresh, between the Detroit Pistons, uh, my favorite team, and the Phoenix Suns, had more pregame action than usual. Here's what happens. Uh, Pistons center Isaiah Stewart punched Suns reserve Drew Eubanks in the face during an altercation in the back tunnels of Footprint Center, according to The Athletic. The two reportedly chest-to-chest when Stewart took a swing that connected with Eubanks' mouth. Big deal and no big deal. Fight before the game. Uh, by the way, Isaiah Stewart was cuffed and stuffed, as they used to say, on uh, the awesome show Dukes of Hazard. 
that Roscoe Pico train come in there and cuff him and stuff him. So not um, only did the fight happen, but the cops recognized they, him as the aggressor and arrested him. Yeah, yeah. They uh, and I think he ended up getting released on I don't know. But they put him in cuffs. Or a in like a- yeah, yeah. They they like they got a fine or whatever. But no, he got. Uh, it's a big deal because it shouldn't happen. But also, I don't know if you know the history of Isaiah Stewart. That is, a- that is not someone to be trifled with. He's a guy, he's the dude who, if you've seen the famous video of the guy running across the court in uh, in Detroit, and there are people grabbing him, trying to hold him back. That's him? That's Isaiah Stewart. He's not trying to going go after into, LeBron. Yeah, he's trying to go after LeBron on the court. It wasn't in the stands. And people were like, no, no. Like, you're like, you're you're sort of holding this he's guy the back. Guy, he's the guy you got to hold back all the time. There was a video circulating after this fight was kind of announced by The Athletic where he got in a little 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 issue with uh, Draymond Green. And they made a point to make sure to mention that everybody was watching that Draymond Green didn't want anything Draymond to do with Draymond turned it down. Yeah, turned it down. And fast. But this was after therapy. Oh, so you sure. can understand I think how, why he turned it. No, before therapy, Draymond Green, you know, because he's from Sagawal, Michigan. He's got a fight. That's what he tells us. He's a big Sagawal, Michigan guy. And people from Sagawal, Michigan need to stand up and protect their turf. I mean, that's what he told us all. But now he's... Where like, is he from again? Saginaw? Oh, is it Saginaw? Okay. What did I say? You said you said it wrong three times. I was hoping for four. Hey, play it again. S- what Sag- is it? Saginaw. What did I say? Saginaw? Yeah. I changed it to an M. Yeah, it's okay. But anyway, he's from a tough t- tough area of, of Michigan. Sure, sure. Tough that's guy. where all the tough guys come from. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's big deal, no big deal. There we go. That's a, a big... It is Saginaw. A, it is a big deal. The big deal, no big deal is now over... I ponder a question. How fast do the Patriots want to get better? That's next. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. Before therapy, Draymond Green... You know, because he's from Sagawal, Michigan. He's got a fight. That's what he tells us. He's a big Sagawal, Michigan guy. And people from Sagawal, Michigan need to stand up and protect their turf. I mean, that's what he told us all. But now he's... Where like, is he from again? Saginaw? Is oh, it Saginaw? Okay. What did I say? Well, now, we know, now we know what I said. I don't think I said it wrong three times. I think I said it wrong. Mm. I said it three times. Okay. and But said it uh, only said it wrong twice. The first time. And then I said it a different way the second time that I actually said twice. It's a, you you morph into Sagawa, <laughs> and uh, and that's uh, it tickled me. That's you know what why I meant? Asked you again, Saginaw, Saginaw, Michigan. That's where all the tough guys are from. Oh sure, I'm from the valley, Sagawa, Michigan, Sagawa. Who who would uh, who would be the toughest guy from Sagawa, Michigan? Probably, um, I would say it's someone from the Kellogg's family. It's probably somebody, a make-believe person. Like Joe Dan Kellogg. Campbell. Oh, there you go. Dan Campbell. Yeah, he would be the toughest guy. Um, By the way. Sagawa, Michigan. Sagawa, Michigan guy. Sagawa, Michigan. Do we hear three different versions? Maybe that's where we're headed for the draft. The draft will be in Detroit, <laughs> but we're going to go to Sagawa, Michigan. <laughs> what do we showed up there? Like, where is everybody? Yeah, seriously. I thought it was what? This is the, pick the wrong place to go to. That's right. Somebody crossed out the N and put a wall in there and all that. Uh, may I ponder a question that does tie into the uh, the Patriots? And I know we went through the defensive guys that are heading into the final years of their contracts here in 2024, uh, and some of the decisions long-term that have to be made. 
But you and I have never stopped down and asked this question, and we want to hear from you at 617-779-7937. You can text us at 37937 or hop in the Twitch chat, twitch.tv slash Boston W-E-E-I. How quickly do the Patriots want to get better? All right. It's a good question, by the way. Um, if uh, you believe that the standard is the standard, that whole thing that we saw at the at the press conference? Well, I just assume that the uh, whiteboard is completely erased clean, so there is no standard. Right now, there is nothing to uphold. Well, winning is there the standard. Is no, That's what Kraft right. told us, right? Uh, winning is the standard. Yeah. What it looks like doesn't really matter, but Mayo winning is did, the standard. Mayo did, too, but... That's the thing. Are they winning is the standard, but are they motivated to try to put the very best team out there they can? And that gets into a little bit of our discussion of do you go with a veteran quarterback? Do you draft Marvin Harrison? You know, there is a path using the draft and free agency to, I'll use the line we did last year, to get your offense at least back up to par if you want to. So I'm going to ask a question with a question because I do think this also pertains. How fast should they want to get better? Well, I... Should they want to get better fast? I think it should be immediate because what organizations have learned is it doesn't matter how long the dynasty or the run... People forget real quick. They forget much more quickly than they do, than they are slow to maybe gravitate towards something. So, you know, maybe there are people who only really saw the last 10 years of the dynasty or whatnot. But now they've had some reasons to hold their nose. And now there is no more even in Bill We Trust. Now it is, oh, it's a new guy. Or, oh, here's Mr. Kraft being more out front. There are lots of reasons now for people to be like, I don't know if I like where this is necessarily going, but if you sign Kirk Cousins, draft Marvin Harrison, get a left tackle with your uh, second pick, be smart in free agency, franchise Hunter Henry, you've at least got something to work with. Because it is interesting um, how... how, committed or desperate do you think the crafts are to prove that it wasn't bill right like so and i think and i think there's a because i feel like with brady i think he wanted to prove it right away yeah and it it was easy for him because a new location you know just new you know goals new team all that stuff i think there's some danger in forcing it because the risk, in my opinion, is sure you'll get good right away. You 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 may have one good year, and then the contracts will will look uh will look a little like uh it will have be an issue with the contracts being maybe you overplayed your hand, maybe you rushed to sign the guy that you thought was going to help you. I just feel like if you want to build something sustainable, you do it through the draft, you do it like all these other teams do, and then you sprinkle in free agency. Because do you think they're a free agency away from being a playoff team? Uh, not a playoff team, but you can rebuild, I think, the guts of your football team very quickly and take away the biggest piece of that question, which is, well, we draft a quarterback at three, we're going to cross our fingers, and three years later we hope we've hit on something. I mean, if you go into free agency now and you want to get better now, 
you can take away your biggest variable that you really don't have any depth of knowledge on, and that would be the quarterback spot. If you go get Kirk Cousins, you bring in someone who's a vested veteran who knows how to handle themselves in the room and gives the defensive players hope. I think That's free agency. I think free agency also gives you at least, at least a you know a blueprint on paper, obviously, of what how they view their team. If free agency brings you a Kirk Cousins and uh, some significant uh, help on the offensive side mm-hmm. uh, with a couple you know depth pieces on the defensive side, you you should believe that they believe that they're ready to win now. Because if that is if they're looking for the slow build. If they're looking to like you know really you know nurture and develop some younger players at key positions, um, play wasting draft picks on guys that most people think would be a, a problem, then you would know that they're in for the long haul. Free agency is going to tell you like how they view their team. Their defense was good last year. Yep, all the defensive guys are basically at least probably still going to be there. Your Hence, we brought staff. up the whole yep. code. They all those got guys, a lot of guys in one-year contracts, and all those guys one-year contracts, hoping to playing for another contract, yep. either with the Patriots or somebody else. So you're going to get their best effort. The defense is going to have, you know, the high ground in this situation. Let me give you. Let me just give you a quick sort of uh, depth chartish scenario here, right? If your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, and at running back right now, you have Ramondre, you have Keyshawn Vaughn, you have Kevin Harris, Jamichael Hasty. You and I both are in the bring Zeke back club, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you throw Zeke into that mix as well. If you draft Marvin Harrison at number three, then it's Harrison, Juju, Parker, Thornton, Booty, Pop Douglas. You could re-sign Kendrick Bourne if you want to, but if you draft uh, uh, Marvin at number three, you might not have room for a guy like Bourne, but then again, you might want to bring him back to maybe sacrifice someone else on the roster, okay? So you put a number one receiver in there, as we talked about with DeAndre Hopkins last year, everybody then settles in. We talked about franchising uh, Hunter Henry at tight end. And then you have David Andrews, uh, Strange, Moffy, So. You still have like Vidarian Lowe around, although you, you don't want to play that guy. But then you're really down to how do I find my tackles? I don't think we're franchising Mike Onwenu, but maybe you could keep him around. But if you don't want to, then that becomes the real target. But what I just laid out to you, if you, again, draft a young'un with the second pick, with your second round pick, and say you sign a tackle somewhere, you mean to tell me that group can't compete at a reasonable level on offense? I would say absolutely they could compete at and a reasonable level. could they level. not do it for a three-year period? Well, I will say, back to your wide I think Devontae Parker, I forgot what, what his contract situation was. I think they're done with him. They are not. Uh, whenever he got his, uh, he, remember he got his, remember the he, summer he redid his last year, uh, duh, 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 duh. just the, the hard numbers, uh, cap hit for, uh, Parker is 6.16 million. Your dead cap would be 6.3 because they worked, they reworked the money yeah. to where basically he insulated himself to where he got a lot of dough and you're either going to cut him and move on 
or you're kind of forced to keep him because you don't want to eat a couple hundred thousand dollars to get rid of yeah, him. Yeah, I, I look at Devontae Parker as being just, I would not keep him on the roster. Juju Smith-Schuster, I would move off from him as well. That, I think Tyquan Thornton is a, a player problem. where, well, I, I do think you mentioned all the the defensive players. I think the, the bigger issues as far as unproven players, guys, Devontae Parker, not worth it. Tyquan Thornton, not worth it. Okay, those I buy. They missed on they missed on him and they and Juju Smith so there's three of what the six guys that you mentioned? Are you willing to eat what looks like about 7 million might be a little more depending because I'm I'm trying to do this on the fly here, but I know it says if you get rid of uh if you get rid of Juju now the dead cap is 12.2 basically yeah. 12 and a half. That's a bad deal. Well, no, it's a bad deal, so that's a thing. If you're going slow, you cut him, reset it, figure it out next year. Meaning you'll eat the money knowing that you can repurpose it in 2025 in free agency. But if you're trying to kind of piece it together a little bit and you're trying to hold it together, why wouldn't you keep Juju for one more year where then if you don't like him after 2024 – You've at least given him a new chance with a new coach, and it's way cheaper to yeah, get rid well, of Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess those are the discussions that they're having right now on this roster. That's These are the real, like, it's yeah. funny because everybody is going to get all horned up for number three pick. Are you taking a quarterback, blah, blah, blah. These are the real gutty guts discussions that has to go on down there to, to determine, like you said, do you just want to cut the guys you don't like Fine. We'll just eat the cap deal. We know we're going slow here. And what we should do, just a suggestion, we should go back and listen to Alex Van Pelt when we come back. Because I do think that your personnel, if 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 you believe that Alex Van Pelt has an idea of how he wants the offense to be, you can look at the guys that are on the roster, and I would think I could tell who I think would fit and who wouldn't. That's what I think. I think you can look at who will fit and who wouldn't. And the San Francisco 49ers, not to give it away before we play it, have their own little mantra with their receivers and what it takes for those guys to stay on the field. It's it's really been a mantra that's been around for a long time, has it not? Which it is, has, but no which one's is really... Essentially, if you're not going to do the dirty work, you can't go get the ball. Yeah, but it, to the whole like modern offense situation, everyone thinks that that is not part of it. And I could easily say, and part of it being wide receivers blocking, I would say every single Patriot receiver when the teams were good, if they weren't blocking and sacrificing and putting their nose in there and really mixing it up, they weren't playing. How are you going to run screens if your guys are not going to hey, How many times are you going to run? Wayne Nikhil Harry saw the field. How you gonna, that no, was exactly yeah, the way he right. saw it. It's the one thing he did well. And that's why I wonder if Devontae Parker might not be somebody that they push out the door right away considering Alex Van Pelt talked about running the ball. John in Rhode Island has now already traded the uh, number three pick for two wide receivers and a backup tight end. Just to let everybody know. Because <laughs> that's the modern way of doing it, right, Fourier? Uh, that's we'll, what they tell me. Yeah, we'll uh, pick back up with uh, Alex Van Pelt. And in the words of Babu Bot in Seinfeld, mocking, 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 they mocked the fat fellow. No, we will not mock the fat fellow. We will tell you who everybody in the mocking world is picking for the Patriots. It's all over the place. 
A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. You know, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships, being able to do that late into the season. Quarterback play is a big part of what I believe in. Putting him in a, a position to be successful. And, you know, if you can make that guy be successful, oftentimes your offense is successful. Teams that, that are close and that, that are connected, connected is a big word that I'll use, the connectivity, those teams always play better. Getting to know these guys, getting to love these guys as, as players and people, I think will all make us better in the long run. That is Alex Van Pelt from the Patriots Twitter yesterday. Oh, I love it that he led with run. Yeah. Oh, that, that, was, that was it. That was the end. And, of course, I'm just – every time I hear a coach speak, and hopefully we get to hear more of the coaches because I feel like it's a, offensively, man, it's like nothing but new guys. Um, uh, like, okay, well, let's play a word association game there, uh, Mr. Taylor Embry, before we hire you. When I say – Connect it. What's the word that you think of? Collaboration. Oh, ding, 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 ding. You know what, Robin? Let's hire this guy. <laughs> he's so he's one of us. Look uh, at this guy. He thinks just like we do. Wait, wait how old are you? Hold on. Also, how old are you? Have you ever bumped into Sean McVay? You have. Oh, okay, yeah. put that down. Yep. Put that down also. Oh, I wore the tight pants to the uh, yes. interview drive yes. to make sure that, you know, like like Sean yep. McVay. We yep. can. can you recite the, all the plays from two years ago in a game that you coached? You mm-hmm. can because you were the running backs coach, Taylor Embry. Of, yeah, that's you know, right. New York Jets. Uh, can you recite, uh, you know, anything from Robert Solid? Is there anything that Robert Solid that, that you think is valuable? All, no, no, n- none of it. All, all, all ass, no breaks. Yeah, yeah we ne- I never believed in that stupid saying. All right, guys, all gas? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God oh, One of us, one of us. Uh, so, you know, and you listen to Alex Van Pelt on the, and really our question is, how quickly do the Patriots want to get good? Um, because we bring up the defense. There are lots of questions long-term to be answered there just in terms of who you want to keep, who you want to invest in, all that kind of stuff. And look, I know you need the quarterback, right? And I get that. But I think people have turned the rest of it into, oh, it's just terrible. Oh, there's no one you can win with, right? David Andrews, player you can win with for many years, now, nope, forget about it, right? So there's a lot of the throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? No more reason to be excited about Pop Douglas anymore because no, 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 now it's if, right? We just make the declarative statements on sort of what we have and what is here, and it's not all bad. There are holes to be filled, but look at the way this defense played, and this defense is arguably coming back, everybody – and your two best players, which you played for for at least half a season or without for half a season. So it's not like all is lost. But that's why I asked the question about how quickly do they want to? Because is this about to be a teardown? Like to your point, Christian. It doesn't feel like it. Do you, Well, that's a thing. It doesn't feel like it. But all it takes is a cut. If you, if you look at Parker and Juju and... You know, there might be somebody on defense even. Well, J.C. Jackson, you know, you can just cut him, and there's $14 million in cap space right there. Do they want to cut those guys and just – or do they try to find a way to salvage them for another year and then sort of figure it out? 
Like, do you need to cut J.C. Jackson straight up? Maybe so, but you go to him and look at, see if you can repurpose his contract because it'd be somebody I think you'd like to keep around. Tony and Worcester with Gresh and Foyer. Hello, Tony. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. What's um, up, Tony? Hey, yeah. So uh, I think this is going to take a long time. And by long time, I mean like an expansion team. We got to get out of this mindset that this is the Patriots, the Tom Brady Patriots, right and the Bill Belichick Patriots. This, this seems, this feels like we're building a brand new team. And I don't think we're going to be going for the quarterback right off the bat. I think we're going to be building the lines. I think we're going to be reinforcing the defense. And I, I, this is a long-term project. Anybody out there that thinks this is going to be a turnaround in a year or two is out of their tree. we got brand-new coaching staff, all new. We're going to have a new quarterback eventually. We're, you know, we have no skill position players. we got a decent defense. But this is a, this smells and looks and feels like an expansion team to me. Yeah, Tony. Uh, listen, right? Parrot. What other people are saying? Right? Well, which part? Uh, the whole expansion team. This is not. We're not at an expansion team level. If we're going to be real about it, did did that defense we run down? Let me tell you something. If somebody in the NFL can have an expansion team and put together the defense the Patriots have, they'd be running around like a puppy with two Peters because they'd be way out kicking the coverage. This is, again, parroting narrative from across the street or whatever because it's easy to go to the lowest common denominator and just scream, well, this is like an, an expansion team. It isn't like an expansion team. There are standards here, number one. How about we start there? With an expansion team, it's the whole, well, hell, I just don't want to fall on my face. And then you're sort of building from there. I thought he was going to go down actually a smart road, which was the, hey, maybe they do build everything else and then try to go a Houston route where Houston was like, fine, we'll just put Davis Mills in there. We'll keep building around it. And if we hit on the guy, then here we go and we'll be okay. But yeah, Ramondre Stevenson and Christian Barmore and Christian Gonzalez and freaking Matt Judon. I need to go on, moron. It's well, not in a, I, like an expansion team. The 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 That's last idiotic. the last expansion team was was it in the NFL? Was it Carolina? It was the whole Carolina Jackson. No, it was actually Houston. Was it, okay, it was Houston because Carolina because they had changed the rules for the expansion team. The expansion team for Carolina actually made the playoffs. Yeah, because here's the thing: what everybody looks at with an expansion team is you take some high paid talent and you put them on there. So I, I it's just a little offensive. Now, listen, are there holes? Definitely. It's not a, a very good to, – to think – go look at the Houston Texans roster. Their first year is an expansion team, and look at what we have here, and then try to equate that without being just, you know, right, someone put it in my head, so that's <laughs> what I'm going to go with. Well, when you win four games and you, you have the, the ending and you fire your coach, that, that, that unfortunately, for the surface dwellers, it's what it looks like to them. I like the way you said that because it was insulting at the same time, which is good. Uh, Bill in Exeter, Gresham Fourier. Hi, Bill. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Bill? So I, my question is, if you go the route you want, get Harrison at three, get Kirk Cousins maybe in free agency. Sure. I Unless you get the Super Bowl, I guess, in that three-year span, I feel like you 
may fall prey to getting into that purgatory of too good to get a good draft pick, but not good enough to get over the hump, fair. which I think could be a dangerous territory. That is a that's a fair worry, Bill. There's no question because I think if the Patriots go the road of say a Cousins, you're now looking at a four year window. Because right now the build is just well build it back up, right? But I think you got to narrow it down a little bit in some way, even if it's with the young quarterback. So for me, if I'm thinking the Cousins is coming here, I'm realizing that that is three to four years of here's the road we're going to go down. Because to me, this comes down to one of two things, Christian. It's either we're going to take the quarterback at three and we're going to go the turtle way or we're going to at least – be on the road where there's the high speed lane. We might not be able to get into it right away, but at least we're on the road where there is a path to some level of prosperity at least. And I would dare say that if within that three-year window you get to the playoffs at least once maybe, or say you get one one playoff appearance, yeah, you can risk having the 21st pick or whatnot, but you've at least built it up to where Right now, you have to convince people to be attracted to come here. Like, you would go buy Kirk Cousins and break the Patriot way of, we'll give you $90 million guaranteed or $130 million guaranteed, whatever it is, to come here. That's how you attract that guy. But the rest, it's the whole draft, maybe See, free agency. you got to build up something because right now, what are you selling? But why do you think you, or just people in general, Please. feel like that the that drafting a quarterback is a slow build? Because what we've seen is you can the Patriots can draft a quarterback in the first round, fifteenth overall, and make the playoffs. How about this? Four of the teams in twenty twenty one, three of them are very much slow build. One of them traded the quarterback. One of them couldn't wait to get Aaron Rodgers. The other one has now given up wishing and hoping that uh, Justin Fields is going to turn into something, and Matt cratered into himself. I mean, there. When you think about that class, though, it is this vast. Like, I mean, it's crazy when you think about what Mac Jones was, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Um, who else was in that class? A uh, Trey Lance. No, that was that. Yeah, that was that was Trevor Lawrence, Wilson, Trey Lance, yep. and then you had Fields, and yep. then it was Mac. And the second most successful quarterback out of that group is Mac. Well, when you talk about success, why why not? Why isn't Trevor Lawrence? Oh, no, I said second. Oh, second. So Trevor Lawrence is first. Trevor Lawrence yeah, yeah, is yeah. the guy. Trevor Lawrence, And he's still a question mark. And, and there is the, right, so there is the whole, okay, he's good, but is he all elite, let's yeah. say. You know, like is he worthy of, of a new contract? Because that's ultimately whether, it, that that determines whether a team feels like you're elite or not. Well, it's funny because off what the caller said of, hey, you can get in that draft pick purgatory, think of this. What what is worse? Having the guy like Trevor Lawrence where it's like, do we just sign up for five more years of this? Or uh, do we try to keep our options open? Like thinking that Daniel you, Jones, like, Giants. Well, I mean, but but two is gonna be that way. Uh there you go. Like that but that like Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the thing. He was gonna be Andrew Luck two or Peyton Manning two in a lot of ways. And I think it, it, 
Like, if you're Jacksonville, you really have no choice. You have to invest Agreed. in that guy. Oh, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Like you're, no, but, like, you're also stuck in that he might turn into something. Well, it was number or one Or it might overall. be more the same. What would we be saying to our fan base if we punted on the number one pick five years later? All that kind of stuff. It's just a little offensive to me on the the, what? the, the silliness of the uh, expansion team. <laughs> why you take that personally? Nah, it's just stupid. Well, that's the way. That, that is, but that is. You know is... why? It's low-hanging fruit right now on this roster, and it isn't. It, and the, while the roster isn't great, it's not, again, with that, that the, all those guys to be free agents next year on defense, that's not an expansion team. What do you think was a bigger problem last year with this team? Was it roster or coaching? Huh. More roster than coaching. Yeah. It's more roster than coaching. Right. Like an expansion team. <laughs> well, uh, it, uh, you mean to tell me, do you really look at this defense? Uh, and no, think, I don't. I don't. The defense was, the defense balled out. The defense did their job. If the, if you have this. Is David uh, Andrews a guy you can win with, or now that Bill Belichick is gone, do you flush him down the toilet? Stuff like that. I'm curious to see if he's you if still David like Hunter Andrews, Henry or not. If uh, <laughs> solid tight end, yeah, I do. Um, no, I'm not saying you. I'm saying to expansion oh. people out there. Well, is David Andrews gonna be just as robotic as he was with Bill, or is he actually gonna allow people to see his personality? Well, you know what? Is that a guy where if the essence of our discussion is fast build, slow build? If it's slow build. That's somebody you're probably moving on from. As much as you and I like David Andrews a lot, and I think he can, you know, I soured on him a little bit last year, but the guy can still play. Um, You might be, you know what this, now that I just thought of it, this is either going to be a year of we're going to draft for later and sort of water the plants and let it grow, or this is 2020. Oh jeez, Cam this, Newton. Where's the Where's the new version of Cam Newton? From this respect, what did they do that year? They reset the cap. Remember that was a big thing with Bill, and then they ended up going into spending more. Well, yeah, this is so, the year of spending more. No, well, w- we think it is. Well, that's what they told us, and well, that's what that's what the numbers say. But if you're going to build slow, you have to account to some of your cap space to go to the stains that are going to be left behind to the people you want to get rid of. Hmm. See, again, this is much more, it, it, it's much deeper than just the number three pick. In reality, I think, Christian, the more I think about it, what they're about to do down there really sets the tone for the next three to four years in terms of how they're going to build this thing. Let's go to John in New Bedford on draft and a QB. John, go ahead. Hey, I think we should draft the quarterback from Washington. Michael Penix, lefty. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a very Why? savvy quarterback. Well, he's got mobility, and uh, <laughs> I think he's a little more flashy, but in a good way, rather than the quarterback from Michigan. JJ McCarthy. I think Michigan might have had they might have had more personnel on Michigan than what Penix was dealing with. Penix um, has probably, so if not the first. Uh, uh, your oh, thanks. Your thoughts on Penix? He's flashy. He's not as flashy as J.J. McCarthy. He wants, hey, listen, everybody has their guy. And you you should not, you should not like be irritated because somebody chose Michael Penix. He likes the, the Huskies. He likes the whole like stadium. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to <laughs> uh, 
point out a move quarterback with two bad knees. <laughs> uh, and he throws the ball with his left hand. The rotation is all messed up. There's not it. a place in the league for those guys. There isn't. Kevin in Brookline with Gresham Fourier. Go ahead, Kevin. How my boys doing today? What's happening, Good Kevin? Man, what's up? I miss you guys. Chris, uh, I kind of I do agree with you, but is it more the question what what is the organization willing to do to try to get this team back on its feet? I mean, if you take it from what you've observed so far, they basically hired a coaching staff from the bottom up with a group of guys with no experience. What makes you believe that? They want to win so bad. I mean, I kind of agree with you about um, the fan erosion. My my question would be, um, what position gets hurt more often come into play? That I don't know. I mean, I would much rather have the, if you tell me that that receiver is going to be out there all the time. But I don't think they, I don't think they have any big, Big wishes to get get better really quickly, but the way this what I've seen so far with everything everything else so far has been a dumpster fire. I don't know how it can be classified as anything else. Kraft has been spending more time still trying to blame Bill for everything that's went on instead of trying to rebuild the team. You know, Kevin, I mean, every single guy is. The, no, Kevin, uh, the the the. Thank you, brother. The 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 timeline of getting to where we are right now. I think Kevin kind of said it right. It's been a bit of a dumpster fire. But now it feels like, okay, new league year starts on March 13th, I think it is. The tampering period free agency is March 11th, right? So to Kevin's point, it's been a mess to this point. I But now we can stop down. We have our staff. We like We figured out the coaching part of it, okay? Now it is the how do we collaborate and then – Really, what matters? We know at the end of the day, they will all say winning matters. How do you get there? And that's where, while it's been a dumpster fire, we can sit here on February 15th, everybody down there take a breath and say, okay, we have our group, now let's dig in. And then you got to find out, what does Van Pelt want? Uh, How much say does DeMarcus Covington really have? Drame is a defensive-minded coach. I'm sure it's going to be the, hey, I kind of want to stick with what we're doing here, maybe. So I would assume that Van Pelt might have a little bit of a louder voice in Mayo's ear because that's the sick side of the football team, the sick, the sick animal, hmm. let's say. Okay. Interesting. Um, personnel, how, the, you've never much, been personnel Fourier guy, have you? I've never been. I'm not a big, well, I'm personnel I, but I'm not numbers guy. I'm not contract numbers guy. I tell you, I'm an idea guy. Okay. Okay. I, no, this is the true. way I would run my team. I like this guy. Go get him. <laughs> uh, before, before you leave, we don't have any money. Uh, figure it out. <laughs> he told us to figure it out. Yeah. I Personally, I love the, the, the whole team building thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. See, I would, I, I would build a team. So there would have to be somebody literally like the holdback guy. But it would be me saying, I like that guy, I like that guy. We're going to sign you. You guys figure it out. No, you know what it is, is <laughs> you would not be allowed to have the checkbook in your back pocket. Oh, no, pocket. no, no, no. They'd make sure that it's like, let's keep let, 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 keep him out of the room. Let's keep Mr. Fourier away from signing any checks or anything <laughs> like that. 
But Kevin also does, you know, the whole injury factor. How does that file? Uh, and here's another one I was thinking of too. These draft people, they're not just looking at this year. They know next year and are pretty generally aware of 2026 as well. So Kevin could be right in that. You build other parts of the team knowing that there'll be a bumper crop of something coming into the league in the 25 draft that you'll be able to kind of dip into and sort of help put it all together. Anyway, Are You Done is next. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Now it's time for Are You Done? Are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Crash and Fourier. Tomorrow, it is a big Friday show. We'll talk to Andrew Raycroft at 1125. Lou Marloni will be with us at noon. And Tom Curran will join Jones and Mego today uh, at 330. Uh, If you missed it earlier today, I encourage you to... Go to the uh, Gresh and Fourier page on WEEI on YouTube. You can go right to YouTube, type in WEEI. All of our stuff will pop up right there. Our conversation with the director of the Dynasty, Matthew Hamachek. He joined us earlier today, was with us on Twitch. A good interview about the Dynasty that will be coming out on Apple uh, TV. Uh, check that out at uh, on YouTube, but just type in WEEI page. will pop up. There you go. Billy Lanny, are you done? Uh, I am not done. Oh, Quick little baby. story out of the uh, the Granite State, uh, the Lymphria Die State. Ooh, That's New right. Hampshire. How would you guys pronounce the capital of that state? Uh, hold on. For you, you need do to know. You know the, do you want me to tell you what? I won't tell no, you. No, hold on. Hold I got. I got to think about what I, it is. I think I, I. I. Can I guess or can I at least? Can, yeah, yeah. Hold I on. want. I want Christian to figure out what the capital is. First. Hold on. Let me. Oh, okay, you, wait. Hold right. on. So it's um, uh, Saginaw. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, no, recall. it, it is. <laughs> it, it would be Concord, New okay. Hampshire. Okay. So a lawmaker in New Hampshire is trying to promote a bill. That would make an official pronunciation of Concord. Okay. So he's trying to get it, like you said, C-O-N-Q-U-E-R-E-D, like Concord. Yeah, Concord, yep. But then there's C-O-N-K-I-D. Concord. Concord. What? Yeah. So he's trying to propose a bill to make the decision to have it be... Conquered. Billy, did you grow up with this guy in Malden? I didn't know. Because <laughs> this guy I do sounds... not. I do not know State Representative Eric Gallagher. This guy sounds know. like he's been around a lot of people who say fire and uh, oh. Concord and all that. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, so uh, Diane uh, Shewitt is the uh, representative. Asked Gallagher if he had to run this proposal past, <laughs> quote, Old Yankee folks. <laughs> oh, man. Whose pronunciation of the city name is closer to Concord. Oh, Lord. Is that, is that, I mean, whatever. Look at the Twitch chat. Radio Chicken and Concord. Like, the, apparently this story is is known to the Twitchers. So it's a big thing. If you go up to New Hampshire, who are the, who are the people that get upset about it? Uh, people well, who live in. The people who live there. Probably. People living who live in Concord. Few people years who live ago, free. A few years ago, I moved to Quincy. Okay. But I catch it. Is it Quincy or Quincy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. I, just, I, just I can't even tell the difference. I say Quincy. But, I say Quincy. But my, mom Quincy. And, but my mom has a dog named Quincy, and I pronounce oh, it geez. the right way for the dog. See? I don't know why. It's just Conkers. It's the dog. Yeah, I guess the way. More if, than people. 
it's just conquered. It's just conquered, right? It's very well, odd not being able to see Billy because you're sitting I where you are. It. No, don't it's, move. It's the hair. Get a haircut, hippie. Oh, I mean, seriously, <laughs> you do. Hey, go for, hey, bring me some. Hey, bring me some pencils. Let me see how many I can fit. It's in my also your. He turns to talk to Billy, and he's just staring at the light. Like, hold, hold on, your bro, your fro is. Let's see. Hold on, Chris. You should have seen what I did to him about five minutes ago when he brought his uh, reads. That was messed up. Oh, what'd you say? It was I, messed I, up. I backed up a little. I said, "Come on." Like, <laughs> He knows that I can't. He you knows that I can't walk. You made him go. Oh, that's I fantastic. Did I did it. I chuckled and leaned over oh, and grabbed it. It's like what you do. Hold on. Foyer's looking for a pen. No, Stand I was going to try and see how many spoons I could stick in my hair without. Oh, listen, spoons, spoons are too big. Spoons? What are you, Spoon Man? Spoon Man. You no, had a couple was, pens in it before the I show had started. three. I had three. Oh, my God. I do need a haircut. Here. Holy cow. Hey, you want some, hey, some Pez? Geez. I say keep it I going. I Pez in my bag. I couldn't find I'm going to keep it going. Want some orange Pez? It's going to be cold. We got some cold months still. Look at the back of my neck honest to god like can someone just come in and just look at it all day can someone please just edge me up if like if i bring some clippers and will you at least edge me up just give me a little hey can you box it off in the back mr barber do you not have arms I'm yeah, handicapped. Can't see that, I'm handicapped. Here we go. Here we go. Where's your placard? Yeah, yeah, Never underestimate the power. <laughs> Never nice. underestimate. Oh, hey, let's all go to Disney World and have Christian. Oh, nice. oh, yes. oh yeah, that's right. Time to use Christian to get to the front of the line. This is perfect. And, this is here, and, and just for the record, yeah. you really don't even this you can pick all this material up all this material up like ace bandage material. Twice. You can pick it up. <laughs> Did they at operate the CBS. On your tongue? You pick it up at <laughs> <a> CBS. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You I'm going. going I, you know. You know. I'm you going to work. You, you go to Sagawa, Michigan. You know. Here's where I'm going to work. And the receipt will be able to I am. I am going straight to HR. I'm wheeling my scooter. I'm saying I am being bullied by the people in this room. You like Michael Scott? You like Michael Scott in the office when he stepped on the foreman grill? Don't make me pin you up against the wall. <laughs> can you make it to Melissa's office? I guarantee you. I think I can probably listen. This thing can scoot now like it, it's got some speed to it and i know how to maneuver and, and manipulate the corners so i cut the time even shorter listen if i you gotta cut I the corners gonna break i love that, he, I thought gonna, that he could reach speeds where he needs a oh break. yeah yeah and, and, like, i need to pump up the tires they're a little flat yeah and what happens <laughs> when there's a door because here's the thing if i took off running right now i would beat you to my car before you would even get your ass out of the door right because he has to back up open the door <laughs> yeah and just fling the door open and oh, He's got to get his bag and then be like, oh, who's coming to get me or whatever. There should be like a little beeping like the trucks. Like when I do have the three-point turn, they should have some version of that. Little rear view mirrors. Before you had to do a three-point turn in the studio, it was absolutely (laughs) fantastic. You know it's going to be a lot of fun, Foyer trying to get out of here before 2 o'clock. Not happening. I know. I got to take the elevator. Have you ever been in that elevator? Oh, yeah. I got stuck in it once when I worked here uh, once before. All right, uh, that's it. Uh, we are done. Oh, my God. Coop has brought up the superior standing wheelchair. That's like the Hawking version, <laughs> 45000 I'm going to explain to your wife that would be accidentally buying those, that thing. I know, right? Jordans and that thing. I yeah, wonder right. if I can get reimbursed through my NFL uh, retirement ah. account. <laughs> and then I'll just bring no it way. back. Then I'll just yeah. send it back like Clinton well, Portis did well, yeah. for, the, for the Redskins to get put, arrested. You'll put that in on the NFL retirement account. They'll okay it 20 years later. No, no, I'll do it now. And then, what? you know, in order to get the cash, I'll just uh, return it. My yeah, God. that's what I'll do. Uh, Chicken, Egg, and Billy producing on 
on the radio side. If something went wrong, blame them. Uh, same for Coop on the digital side as well. Again, tomorrow, Andrew Raycroft, Loomer Loney, oh. more Patriots, I'm sure, and maybe something, a pulse from Fenway South. Uh, Jones and Mego are next. Foyer and I will see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And keep watching on Twitch. You can see Foyer struggle. Thank you for listening.